Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host, Anne brother-in-law ryan how you doing over there i am really warm uh so it's a nice day out right now and we were preparing for a long episode and i walked into the room and it's like hitting a wall Mm. of just musk and like man heat (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what rusty was doing this morning but it's warm Uh, not something i can talk about in the podcast but you know yeah so i'm already starting to like get moist Mm. over here that's the best way my to record little, this like, podcast. Like, we cave me off, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds sexual, but, like, we cave me off over here. I have my, uh, like, sound dampening things. I've got my computer, and I'm, like, pushed against a wall with, like, surrounded, so Rusty doesn't have to see most of me. you got a Banjo-Kazooie plush over there, Yuki, yeah, and Yeah, joining me in the cave. Keeping you company. But, yeah, I've been good. Uh... Last weekend, after we recorded, I got a text from Ben, and he's like, hey, yo, you want to go uh, fishing? I haven't fished in like a decade, mm. which is crazy to say, like 10 years ago. Um, I think my first tackle box I got when I was five. So it's been a while since I've done really any casting of line. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go out. I was planning on just sitting on the boat, chilling. Soaking up the rays, and while him, his dad, and his younger brother go fishing. Mm -hmm. But then I ended up, without a fishing license, fishing. Wow, you rebel. I know, dude, just breaking all the laws. I, like, killed a man, and then, like, that's what I fried up for you. (laughs) Nice. But, um, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't enjoy fishing when I was younger because I didn't know stress. Really, I mean, like, when you're a little kid, you can just bike around the neighborhood, run around. You don't really have any responsibilities. You live a carefree life. Yeah. And now that I've experienced the real world, Mm. um, there is stress. So, yeah, Yeah, just sitting out on the boat, actively reeling in, it was a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. So I ended up the next day, I think Sunday, going out, buying my own fishing rod. I, like, everything I need to go fishing for myself so potentially i'm going fishing today with ben Mm. um after this but i think they went out yesterday afternoon and this morning pretty early so we'll see good for you but a ton of fun we caught um nine saw guy in total which i filleted up for you and lauren and the parents and myself and then i caught two so i was pretty proud of myself you should be it was a ton of fun so yeah, I I actually bought a fishing license yesterday. I got a little tackle box at Walmart. Uh, Spider Man logos all over it. Hell so yeah. super uh, fishing spirit. So it was a it was a good week. Um, you ended up buying Disney Plus Premiere or Premium Premium mm-hmm. Premiere Premium. Close enough. Same thing. I didn't expect that at all. Um, but it was actually for your review of Cruella that you uh, went on Turk Run bros podcast that's right the talk around show so i all yeah i was not anticipating watching that movie when i saw the previews i'm like oh this is just disney trying to capitalize on a 
uh, like a female Joker film with some random origin story of Cruella DeVille. Yeah, I had no interest. I love Emma Stone, but I was just like, this is just one of those live action adaptations that I don't care at all to go see or certainly pay a premium price to watch. But um, got a text from Zach late last week and he said, hey, would you up for would you be up for joining us? Because I've we've reviewed a lot of the live action Disney adaptations together. Yeah. And if they'll have me, we're going to continue reviewing a lot of them and go back and review the ones that we haven't reviewed to this point. Um, but he asked me, he's like, do you want to be on our show to uh, review Cruella? Because we're going to do it regardless. And I was like, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> and over the weekend, I'm like, you know what? What the heck? Let's just do this. Because if, you know, you use my Disney Plus account, of course, Lauren and I both use it. That's basically three adult tickets to go to the theater, which is the equivalent of about 10 bucks a ticket nowadays. Yeah. So it, it, whether we enjoyed or not, it was a two hour and 15 minute film. So that's basically like us paying to go to the theaters without mm-hmm. the theater experience. So I was like, you know what? I'm OK with that. Uh, we can make that work. And I don't want to steal the thunder from being on that show. So I'm not going to share my opinions outside of saying I was very impressed and I do not regret paying the premium price to watch Cruella. But Ryan, what were your thoughts? Yeah. So go watch the uh, review whenever it comes out or mm-hmm. the discussion with those guys. Um, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I, it's probably my favorite remake or retelling of a villain story. Maleficent is another one that kind of breathes new life and why we should care about kind of a flat care or one dimensional character, um, understanding their motivations and backstory. Um, I didn't expect it to be two hours and 15 minutes. The pacing is really well done. Um, it did, I, I was looking at him like, I feel like I'm going to end this movie soon. And it, I looked at the time and it was, I was only an hour in. So I didn't know how they were going to fill the second half of the movie, but I'm really happy on how it turned out. Mm-hmm. I, as far as the remakes go, I wasn't a fan of the Lion King. I wasn't a fan of Dumbo, um, Aladdin. I it's, I mean, same kind of boat. They're all kind of mediocre. Dumbo, I actually didn't like at all. I didn't have fun. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm glad they made it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy. Me too. Um, whether they make a second one, who knows? Yeah. They made a Maleficent too, which I didn't see. I don't know if you saw that one with like I, all the Maleficents I, and like no. they have an army of winged fairies that attack or something. Well, if you listen to the last podcast episode, remember I made my comment about Angelina Jolie and just not being super thrilled about going to movies when she's present because yeah. she's just a little little out there. Yeah. So yeah, good time, mm. worth watching or waiting a couple months until it's free. Yeah. But. Yeah, how was your week? Good for you. Yeah, my week went uh, pretty well. As I also talked about last week on the podcast, we had some turnover in my office and I was a little worried about how a lot of that responsibility was going to fall back on me. And that is kind of exactly what happened this week. And I, and I fully anticipated that, especially one particular role, um, you know, piling some of those agile uh, audit concepts. I knew that I was going to have to bear the brunt of that. And, you know, towards the end of last weekend, I was trying to to think of it as a glass half full approach. And, you know, this is could be a unique opportunity for me to kind of step up, be a leader, take on the most tenured staff member role and, you know, have some stretch opportunities. Is it still how you're viewing the glass? <laughs> it is. But I mean, it is also one of those things that, you know, if we don't backfill these positions in the next six to eight months. And theoretically, if more people leave, which I think is de- a definite possibility, um, 
myself not included in that, then it's going to be rough. Yeah. And I could only stay so long to support my my superiors. Uh, if, if I'm not getting the support or if I'm being pushed beyond my limits and I know my limits because I worked in an environment where I was working six, seven days a week, you know, 10, 14 hours a day. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Because it was a significant toll, not only on my uh, emotional health, but just like physically, I was just pushed to my limits, you know, yeah. night terrors, just I just was not in a healthy place. And I was also consuming like three energy drinks a day, like 10 cups of coffee. Like it just was not healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm not repeating that. So um, I'm going to take care of myself. And I think the first step in that is pushing myself a little bit because I feel like I have been complacent professionally for a while. Um, so, you know, this week I was leading meetings that I'm not used to leading, which was great. Um, because I think, you know, everyone, no matter what role you're in, no matter what your job is, um, or just in life in general, I think we're all capable of more than what we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And so this week it was nice to kind of test that a little bit. Um, you know, take a, take a, a leap into the water. Um, just, you know, put myself in an uncomfortable position Cool. and that was good. Uh, but yeah, to your point, like it's. It could get to a point where it is just too much. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But outside of that, it was a solid week. Uh, it was nice to be back at the house for the entirety of the week. Also, last week on the podcast, I talked about pet sitting for my sister for a week at my dad's place. So it was good to be back home with Lauren. And um, it'll be interesting this week because it's my first week back in the office. Yeah. Speaking I'm curious how things have changed or will change for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think I'm really excited to be around people again, uh, see some of my coworkers, be more productive in my own cubicle. Um, I think the thing I'm probably least looking forward to is obviously one, not seeing Lauren and Scoob on a day-to-day basis while I'm working, um, yeah. kind of getting that just energy and fuel by being around the people I love. And probably a uniform. <laughs> yeah, wearing like, you know, adult clothes. Like yesterday I, I went out and um, I had to buy some belts. I was looking at some... Um, some dress pants and stuff like that. And I like literally went into the the dressing room and I was like wearing some of this stuff. Cause like, I know my waistline, I know my, my length and everything like that. But I was like, I don't even know what shirts I would match with these pants because I don't know how to dress anymore. <laughs> I've <laughs> only been wearing gym shorts and cutoffs. For like the if last it's, year. yeah, if it's not a Goku t-shirt with Under Armour shorts, I don't know what to wear. Like, yeah. So um, that's going to take some getting used to for sure. So I'm just going to wing it this week. If, you know, I walk into work with a Banjo-Kazooie or Perfect Dark t-shirt, then you know what? So be it. So be it. That's just rusty on a Wednesday. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to being around people. Not so much looking forward to the commute because of traffic, but it's also going to help my podcast listening game. Mm-hmm. So I'm Good. looking forward to getting um, back into the rhythm of keeping up with my podcast and not always trying to have a backlog of catching up on them. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to just jamming on the way home, you know, yeah. that time to decompress, to kind of take off the work cap, put back your your husband, uh, dog, dad, just chillax at home hat. Mm-hmm. I kind of need that. So I'm looking forward to that quite nice. a bit. Nice. Speaking of podcasts or like listening, I finished the second book in the Aragon series. Eldest. How was that? It was great. Um, This is the last book in the series that I have actually read before or listened to before. Um, Also, quick side note. Cool. The cicadas in my backyard are nuts. Like it is an infestation of cicadas right now. So I'm going to do my best to edit that out in the back end. Outside of that, you might just hear some cicadas. Yeah. 
Ryan, back to you. Yeah. All right. Before you rudely interrupted to talk about bugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's surprising. I've previously heard that the Aragon series was very similar to Star Wars. And I'm now starting to see that, that it's kind of like a new hope. Emperor Strikes Back in the first couple books or the first two that I've gone through so far. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if that continues. You got like the main king who's similar to the emperor. You got like a Darth Vader figure. We got it's not so much Luke and Leia. It's like Luke and Luke, like two brothers. <laughs> OK. Um, but yeah, very cool. Um, I'm really excited. I'm maybe five or six hours into the third book. Um, I accidentally bought the fourth book, and then it was like, oh, yeah, started talking about things I had no idea what was going on, so I uh, quickly changed, but yeah, excited to uh, continue that series. Good for you, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, and then yesterday, I had a very scary adventure. Oh. I ventured into the uh, the dark side of the gym, the uh, testosterone, like, bench-filled, non-like, with, like, the circular weights. Oh. Fucking terrifying. Because previously I was in like the machine section, 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 uh-huh. trying to like stay off the radar. But you know, I was feeling ballsy. Went over to the dark side, and I was there for until they kicked me out. They literally kicked you out. Yeah, they shut off the lights and uh, turned off the music and told me to leave. Wow. Yeah, it's, I'm never going back there again. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know when the gym closed, and then everything started shutting down around me. What so. time were you there? Five o'clock is when it closed. Oh, okay. Which is earlier than I thought. I thought it was like seven, like eight to seven or something on Saturdays, but uh, apparently earlier than I expected. Okay. But okay. Yeah. I survived. Good stuff. Yes. Well, this is the Otaku Brothers podcast. We're nearly 15 minutes in and we haven't even told you what the heck the show's about. My name is Rusty. Like I said at the top of the show, that's Ryan over there. We talk about video games, TV, film, music, whatever the heck we darn please <laughs> Because uh, yeah, it's just, our show. That's just what we do here, yeah. you know. But we have actually a packed agenda today. So yes. not only are we going to kick things off as we've already done talking about our weeks, we've got some very interesting games that we've been playing this week, as we talked about on last week's episode. We got to talk a little bit about that. We also, it is the season of surprises, Ryan. It's summer. You know it's around the corner. Uh, winter. <laughs> well, <laughs> or fall. <laughs> we gotta hit fall first, you know? It's just the, the way the seasons work here in Ohio. Probably not what you were thinking of. I was thinking of E3, the Electronics Entertainment Expo, that or whatever too. those three E's stand for. So we've got some predictions. We've got tons of them. I've got, gosh, I can't even count how many I have here. I kind of split them by company. Then I just have some rando uh, predictions as well. So we get to talk about our E3 predictions. And then... To cap off the show, we are beginning a new segment, finally debuting it, called Destiny Island Challenge, where we will be talking about one system in particular. We picked five games to go vacation on a deserted island. Well, really, we're just spending the rest of our lives there, playing these five games and enjoying the heck out of them. And we also got some listener submissions for their top five console games i don't even i don't even want to talk about the cost the, the system yet if people don't know what it is all so, right yeah uh, if they listen, listen to our last episode yeah, to the end they didn't listen know, to the last but. episode <laughs> they're not going to get the details here yet uh but yeah so it should be really fun this will probably be one of the meatiest otaku brothers episodes that we've had in a long time and i am so jazzed to be recording it yeah me too let's keep cruising so we can avoid the bug sounds <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bugs, Ryan, you've been playing a game this week. Yeah, bug snacks. 
No, I I haven't pl- I didn't play a ton of games this week. Um, it was kind of busy. I watched a lot of movies. Cruella being one. I watched Shrek and Mulan again. Some good comfort food movies. Mm. Um, Shrek's amazing. Uh, the animation on some of the expressions of Shrek and Donkey are just priceless. They they don't get old. And like the gingerbread scene, always hilarious. Uh, Mulan, always the, the original, the good one. Um, yeah, always a good time. But as far as games, I didn't really play any RuneScape this week. Um, are you feeling okay, dude? It's it's dark. You know, I traveled dark to the dark side of the gym. No RuneScape. I'm like out of my comfort zone. Wow. Uh, but I did start yesterday Persona Five, which is one of my first game in the Gentleman's Challenge. And how is that going for you? It's a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, so this week, I don't know when they're going to release it, but I'll be on the Tarkaron podcast as well, mm. um, talking about the Gentleman's Challenge. So whenever that comes out, check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, plugging them a ton. You can find them on YouTube. T a r q a r o n. Zach and Alec, two very gentlemanly dudes. Yes, they're awesome. Yeah, they record videos talking about movies, TV. They review all kinds of <laughs> awesome stuff. They're also going through each season of Survivor chronologically. Zach is a super fan. Alec has never seen Survivor before until now, and it's really good stuff. So go check him out on the old YouTubes. Yes. So Chrono gave me some pointers this week before I started the game. He's like, hey, here's the confidants in the order that you want to confidant them Mm. no idea what that was i just found out yesterday so glad he showed me still have not seen any of the words that he gave me uh pointers on but yeah it is not what i expect it's really different than the jrpgs that i had previously played so i've played pokemon obviously that's kind of my main jrpg that i consistently play um, I've played Nino Kuni. I've played Dragon Quest. Um, but this one's dark. So for the other ones, like Pokemon, you capture animals and you fight them, try to be the the king of the world, the champion. For Nino Kuni, you got to like you got to build your kingdom, and Dragon Quest, you got to save the world. For this one, I'm kind of confused on like how much darker they can get. So spoilers, I guess, for the first. I don't know when Persona came out. Like Persona couple 5, years. I think yeah. 2016-ish. Okay, so, yeah. Something First like four hours, spoilers, kind of. Um, So you start out, you're this kid, you can name him whatever you want. I googled his name, I think his name is Ren. And you get, you're trying to save a girl who's being sexually assaulted by a drunk dude, who mm. apparently is like, uh, has some power in the government. Okay. And you push him down to save this girl, and he sues you. And then you get an assault charge. So you're a criminal. You get kicked out of your school. Everyone hates you, that, apparently, for saving this girl or for, like, the criminal record that you have. They lay it on super hard that you're, like, this horrible person. But all you really have to say to them is, like, I saved this girl, not, like, the assault charge. But the person who's taking care, like, your parents kick you out of their house. You get kicked out of school. And you go to this new school and then that's kind of where the weird stuff happens. Like, you go into this castle with this blonde dude where your school should have been. And it turns out, like, the castle is, 
think his name is Kamashita, which is like the gym teacher. Mm. And like the gym teacher, like everyone has, or like bad people have mind castles, which are like a distorted reality of like how you perceive your world. I think there's probably going to be multiple mind castles. Right now I'm going through like the gym teacher's mind castle. Um, but inside it kind of shows like how he perceives the school, that he's like the king of the school. So he's a crown on in this world. And he's, like, beating the shit out of, or, like, torturing people in gym clothes within this distorted reality. So is this distorted reality considered, like, the first dungeon? I think so. Okay. I think that's how it's, yeah. Okay. Um. So you, like, you go in there, and you see that he's beating up, like, these volleyball kids with, like, these crazy machines. And then you see, like, one of the popular girls in, like, a bathing suit with him. And you're like, something's weird. And then you go into the real world to try to expose him for, like, he's physically abusing the volleyball team. They're all bruised. And then, like, I think he's, like, sexually assaulting one of the girls or mm. two of the girls. Okay. Not super light stuff. No. The characters are interesting besides, like, the blown up proportion of their, like, he's a criminal. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool. Um, and then I think overarching... There's all these train crashes. Um, basically, people are getting their minds controlled and they're like going full speed into terminals with trains, like all around Tokyo, which I think that it's something's going on there. Who knows? And then my favorite, like what was really interesting was how they like they show the first on your way to school. You have to go through the terminals of the trains to get to, or like in Japan or Tokyo. And having gone through some of those train terminals, it was extremely accurate on how windy some of the like railways are. Like you have to follow the paths. It was really cool. Hmm. It was a good depiction of Japan and that life of like going out to eat and stuff after school. Nice. Well, I'm yeah. glad you're liking it. I'm assuming you're going to keep playing it? Yeah. Um, I'm four hours in out of 97, I think is Jeez. how long to beat. So I'm trying not to look at the mountain. I'm trying to look at the little hills of let's get through the first dungeon and see what happens. Good for you. Because, I mean, you kind of have to look at it like that when you play a game of that scope and size. Like even yeah. something like Witcher 3, for me, when I played it last year... I mean, it was the year 2020. I wanted to just play a bunch of open world games that I could sink a bunch of time in and not think about the reality that we found ourselves in. But in any other year, I was like, I can't even think about playing that game because it's 80 hours to beat and I just, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. But then like, once you start getting into those games, whether it's The Witcher 3 or something like Skyrim or Persona 5 or some of these more meaty RPGs, you kind of just got to take it like one dungeon at a time, one mission at a time. Yeah, so, like, right now, the way, it's weird, like, change of pace. So, you have, like, a day-night cycle, or you're going through the days. It's not like you're pressed for time. It's very, so far, it's really linear of a game. There's no, like, open world. So, you're going through a day. So, you have, like, the morning, you have the middle of the day, you have after school, generally, and evening, and then you go to sleep, and then it goes through this cool cutscene, and then you're on the next day. Mm. So right now I'm on Wednesday of, I think, the first week of school, and I'm trying to just get to Friday or Saturday, the first weekend, and that's kind of how I'll chunk out this game. Okay, very cool. Yeah, 
but I'm enjoying it. I shouldn't have looked. The only reason I looked at how long to beat was just to understand what craziness I've gotten myself into by putting it on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I we'll see. It, it'll I'll probably have more thoughts next week when I have more hours into it. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Very nice. What about you? What have you played? So I was challenged also with the gentleman's challenge uh, with playing a cult classic, Shenmue. Yes. That was originally released on the Sega Dreamcast, I believe, in the year 2000. And obviously it was something that I always had a fascination with. I, I, I never really understood how, you know, people praised it for being far ahead of its time. Grand Theft Auto 3 before Grand Theft Auto 3 released, you know, a year later. And uh, I just never knew what it was about. So I was finally just like, you know what, let's put it on the uh, the Gentleman's Challenge list of potential games. I'm glad it was selected. I've put about three to four-ish hours into the game so far. I think it takes about 18 to 20 to actually complete. And I guess, you know, for a 21-year-old game at this point, spoilers for kind of the introductory, what kind of sets Ryu, the main character, the main protagonist on this adventure, is that your father's killed. Okay. By this, I think, supposed gang leader, if you will. And after that happens, it really becomes like, becomes like a private investigator game where now you kind of go out into the city and you talk to all these characters. You go to different shops. You try to get kind of clues to, you know, figure out the people that killed your father, the getaway car. Where did they go? Mm-hmm. And so you go and talk to this person and you say like, hey, have you did you see a black car on this date around this time? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that car it hit this old man. Um, it hit this old man that day. You should go talk to him. So you go talk to this old man and he's like, yeah, I'm still recovering. My back really hurts. But I also heard that it flew by the floral shop down the street and stopped to get food or something. So then you go to the floral shop and it's kind of just like this fetch questy investigation type game where you're going from place to place you update your little notebook with clues and then sometimes you walk into um i believe the henchman of this gang leader and kind of like when the actual gameplay kicks in it's either like a beat em up mm-hmm. where it's it's just a brawler where you have three to six guys that you just kind of beat the crap out of or sometimes there's qte events where you're pressing square circle x triangle to the beat of these people coming towards you. Okay. So if you're in a bar, you know, someone's coming at you, you might like, you know, kick them in the head and then, you know, thrust their head on the side of the bar type of thing. Um, so that the gameplay aspect of it is it's a little repetitious, but I also really like it. I like the idea of, you know, talking to all these different people uh, because the world is really well realized. I mean, I totally see how this game was well ahead of its time because, you know, Grand Theft Auto 3 in terms of its scope had a far greater sense of scale. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could and I think that's also telling of like the actual somewhat bird's eye third person view of your character in Grand Theft Auto 3. The camera was a little stretched out. You could hijack cars. You could just explore this city. Right. And there were, I think, three different islands in Grand Theft Auto 3. Whereas Shenmue is kind of more personal. It's a far more zoomed in view of your character. You kind of have really just over the shoulder. Think Grant, uh, think God of War 2018. Like okay. that personal of a view of your, your protagonist. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, with Grand Theft Auto 3, it was really rare that you could actually go into the shops, interact and actually do anything. There were a couple shops you went in, maybe you bought some clothes, there were a couple car joints and stuff like that. I think if I remember correctly, you could go into the hospital and Grand Theft Auto 3, but outside of that, 
it was rare unless it was mission-based that you could go into these buildings and interact and actually do anything with them. They were just kind of there. With Shenmue, it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum where, sure, the sense of scale is, is, is shrunken quite a bit, but, I mean, you can go into all kinds of food shops, jacket shops, buy clothes. There's an arcade where you can play classic arcade games like Space Harrier and Hang On. They have little gotcha machines where you can put little coins in and get these uh, these little capsules of toys yeah. that are subtle nods to – they're not subtle. They're, they're nods to Sega properties. I mean they have Nights into Dreams, Streets of Rage, Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. It's just such a cool um, – there's so many fun Easter eggs to Sega – um, and I totally get why this game was well ahead of its time in terms of the things that you could do in an open world. Yeah. There's a day night cycle. Uh, it'll start raining and then all the characters will pull out their umbrellas and pull on their raincoats. That's cool. I mean, for a game back in the year 2000, that was just unheard of, right? Yeah. Uh, most games, if there's rain effects on the PS1 or, um, N64 or something like that, uh, people just continue walking, doing their thing. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't pull on raincoats or, you know, pull out umbrellas or anything like that. So, um, for that, I'm, I'm really invested. I'm really interested. Um, <laughs> the dialogue's a little flat. It almost seems as if these people recorded their audio through a Xbox 360 microphone through a wall or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. <laughs> and in Rio, you ask, you know, he'll walk up to someone and say, Ryan, have you seen a guy named Charlie? Yeah, he's that, uh, I think he's that biker guy with the tattoo. I think you could find him down the street. Wow. Thank you. I'll be sure to check that out. Like, it's just super dull. Yeah, the Ryu is very monotone mm-hmm. from what you showed me. Kind of robotic. And then everyone else is, like, really animated. They're like, yeah, he's down the street. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, again, it's a, it's a time hand. and place thing. How many games were fully voice acted back on the Dreamcast or really any console at the time? Yeah. Well ahead of its time, for sure. So, I'm enjoying it. Again, three to four-ish hours in. Looking forward to playing more. I think I've only really scratched the surface for um, storytelling-wise, but also um, I haven't really gotten into like the beat-em-up sections. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing more. Is this the same Ryu from Street Fighter? No, completely different. Game. Okay, completely different. Yeah. Just another dude named Riku. <laughs> Ryu. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. and then it holds up pretty well, you'd say? Yeah, like I mean, after 20 years, I mean, yeah, I mean, graphically, of course, it shows its age, you yeah. know, uh, the voice acting is super dull and robotic. Um, yeah, I mean, the character animations and, and, and overall graphical palette and colors and stuff like that. I mean, it's a game from 2000 for sure. Yeah. But I think, you know, the the, the whole um, remaster did some nice touch ups and it doesn't really sound like they remastered the audio very much, but it's <laughs> it's all good. Are they still making what Shamu? Shen? Shenron. Shen, Shenron games? I think Yakuza is meant to be the spiritual successor to that series. Okay. Yeah. So they have, in those games, obviously, upgraded. Just a bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So that's really it. I mean, Shenmue, I actually downloaded FIFA last night because I was just in the mood to play some soccer or football, depending on the region you listen to this podcast. And uh, more Madden. It's just my comfort food stuff. Very nice. So yeah, more Shenmue next week. And uh, that'll probably be about it. All right, but, sounds good. But all good stuff. And speaking of the good stuff, Ryan, we've got to get to those E3 predictions. Yeah, we do. Pronto. So we can structure this however we want, okay? Because for me, I broke all of my predictions down into Nintendo, 
Square Enix, Bandai Namco, Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase, and I have some likely predictions, and then I have some bold, really out there ones that are very rare to actually happen. Okay. But I think they're all fun, and I think maybe we just do a little ping pong match here. I'm game. You say one, I say one, regardless of the company. And, you know, for me, I have dates and kind of like windows of time associated with my predictions in terms of when a lot of these games are coming out, because I think it's fun, makes it more fun. But I wouldn't be surprised if dates are super loose and rarely even mentioned this year yeah. at E3. Because for some context, the listeners will know, but there was not an E3 last year Mm-mm. because of the pandemic. And this year, obviously, there's a return to form when we thought E3 was kind of a dying breed. But I think everyone can use some hype surrounding video game announcements, world premieres, yeah. fun reveals, Jeff Keighley, the whole nine. So I'm glad they're bringing it back this year. And I think because of that, you know, we always go all in on E3 predictions, things that are just so far out there that would never possibly happen no matter what reality we live in. But I think because we've been absent for a year, it's fun to up the ante a little bit Yes. with these predictions. And hopefully E3, the companies come in full swing and are, are really swinging for the fences with some of their game releases or game, game reveals. But um, what do you what do you say you kick it off? Okay, one quick thing before we get started. Sure. What are your thoughts on God of War being delayed? Oh. Because that happened this week. Because that's it, kind it of Sony news. Yeah, yeah, no. God of War, Ragnarok, which they didn't even, in the Santa Monica uh, publicity announcement thing, whatever, press release, they didn't even say anything about Ragnarok, yeah. which was the subtitle that we saw last year, uh, which is neither here nor there. Um, but... I want to say I love it because I think that team, especially Corey, um, Alana Pierce, who was brought on to Santa Monica Studios as a writer, I think late last year, maybe early this year, she announced that. And she, someone slipped into her DMs and just had a horrible, horrible string of text paragraphs they sent her. And she ended up um, screen capturing that and putting it on Twitter. And it was just horrible what the person said about, you know, like, yeah. The thing she said, I'm not going to detail them here, but then I'm, I'm Corey. He captured it and basically said, fuck off. Like, this is ridiculous. The person who delayed this game was me. He's like, because I know we needed more time. My team needed more time. And I'm glad that PlayStation, Sony, whoever allowed him that time in the yeah. same way that they allowed him to delay God of War 2018. I'm all for game delays. If you're going to put out something half baked, then wait. Delay it if you can. You know, Cyberpunk is a perfect example. It's a learning lesson for the entire industry of weight. I know there's a whole rigmarole of shareholders need their dollars and the executives need their millions and whatever else. But when you have a sense of control over a game's release date and it's for the betterment of the entire team's emotional health, then do that. And I'm glad that they did that with God of War 2, God of War Ragnarok, whatever it's going to be titled. I'm all for it. Yeah. No, I me too. Um I think the thing that I'm irritated with is um, Sony's original kind of marketing for the PS5 was clear generations. Yeah, good point. And now they're kind of not incentivizing, similar to how Xbox is doing it, where everything's kind of cross-platform between last generation and this one. Mm -hmm. And God of War, in that announcement, said it's going to be PS4, PS5. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because Horizon's the same way. They said this week as well that Gran Turismo 7 is going to be cross-gen as well. Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, It definitely doesn't incentivize people necessarily to get the new console. I also wonder, too, how much of this plays into 
Herman Heist or whatever the president of Sony, he came out and said that it's it's very realistic and possible that there will be shortages of PlayStation 5 leading into next year. It makes sense to me to have games as big as Horizon Forbidden West, God of War 2, things of that nature to release cross-generation because they're dependent on making their money back. I mean, it ultimately is a business. These These people care more about their dollars than they care about the people they're selling these games to. That's just the reality we live in. Yeah. And so, yeah, it sucks that they kind of have to eat their words and Horizon now is cross-gen, God of War is going to be, Gran Turismo 7, among other games potentially moving forward. You know, and it's tough to say when we're going to be officially in the next generation where, you know, Ghost of Tsushima 2, that's not coming on PS4. It's only on PS5. You know, it's tough to say when that's going to happen because there's a huge population of people that either can't buy into the next generation because of financial issues yeah or they literally even if they have the money to buy it can't find it anywhere you know that was all of last year for both series x and ps5 and it's it's bled into this year as well so it's tough to say when that's actually going to turn around but you know i'm i'm hopeful that sometime next year they start saying that you know their their playstation 5 exclusive titles are exclusive to ps5 they're not coming to ps4 um you know yeah i think my worry is that they tone down how great the game potential could be to make it capable for the ps4 not saying ps4 isn't powerful but i mean we saw it on cyberpunk 77 uh 2077 or whatever it was that it could run on the new gen in a jank form obviously but better than it could on the last gen how much are they paring down Horizon or God of War from what it could be on a purely built for a PS5? I think very little because you look at Breath of the Wild as an example. I don't know how that game ran on a Wii U, but I know without a doubt I've put, you know, five, eight hours into that game that it was one of the best showcases for the Switch when it first came out. I mean, that world is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. There was no dying or pulling on. There was no dialing it back for the Switch to release cross-gen between Wii U and Switch. That game was a masterpiece and a true showcase for the power of a Nintendo hardware, yeah. right? And I think it's going to be no different with Horizon Forbidden West because not only is it going to um, really test the power of the SSD, I think it's also going to make great use of the DualSense controller when you're swimming, when you're pulling back your bow, the electricity yeah. artifact things that they're introducing into the melee combat... Yes, it's going to be playable on PS4. I think it's going to chug. It's probably going to sound like a fucking jet engine's taken off in your living room running that on a PS4 because I know The Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima both running on my PS4 sounded like my house was going to explode. So it's going to be no different for those games running on that machine. It's going to run probably fine. I wouldn't be surprised if it crashes your your console a couple of times, but it's not going to take it's not going to make use of the DualSense controller. Load times are probably, they're certainly not going to be as good. Graphically, it's not going to be as impressive. So I think they're still going to incentivize their user base to buy into the next generation so that they can get the best experience possible in playing those games. Yeah. I, I think to pivot kind of in the same kind of vein towards E3 predictions, mm, mm. I really hope they come out with a trailer for Breath of the Wild 2 mm-hmm. exclusive on uh, Switch Pro. It just showcase, I mean, it's going to take a while because of the chip shortage that's affecting the car industry, games industry, obviously. But if I I want that one to be a clear 
increase in just everything yeah. from the original game and to say whether exclusive or premiered on a pro to show the increase in either 4k or computing power i would love to see that kind of announcement be a bold move for nintendo be really bold they've never done anything like that before as far as i'm aware like they've always released you know especially these later zelda games twilight princess came on gamecube and it also released on wii breath of the wild released on both consoles um so i don't see that happening i i very much you know i guess we'll just get into my first prediction here because it is related to breath of the wild yeah so that's fair i said I don't think we're going to see Metroid Prime 4 or Bayonetta 3. I don't even think either of those games will be mentioned okay. at E3 this year. I don't think they're going to waste you know, their any time during their one-hour direct or however long it's going to be saying that Metroid Prime is for, 4 is still in development. Please be patient. Uh, or same thing with Bayonetta 3. I don't think either of those games will be mentioned. People are going to be upset, and I totally understand because these games have seemingly been in development hell forever. But yeah. I'm going to stand by it. Those games, they're not going to be mentioned. There's going to be no Zelda HD collection like a lot of people were wanting for the 35th um, anniversary, thinking that maybe Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and maybe Majora's Mask were going to be on a Switch card. I don't think that any of that's going to happen. What I am confident in, and I'm going to be placing some artificial money on, is that Breath of the Wild 2 will be yet again revealed. There will be a full gameplay trailer. We'll get a November release date, and tying in what you were getting at, it will be coupled with a Switch Pro announcement, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they showed a side-by-side comparison of the game running on current Switch hardware and Switch Pro hardware to incentivize people to buy into that next Switch console. And also, I think this is great timing because if it's to be believed that that next Pokemon Arceus Legends game Mm -hmm. is coming out at the end of January in 2022, I don't think that game, that game is going to run like ass on current Switch hardware. Yeah. It just is. It's inevitable. We saw the trailer. It was dropping 10 frames. Like, it just looked horrible. And I just don't see a game like that being playable and consistently fun without upping your hardware a bit in the Switch Pro, whatever that ends up becoming. So, that's my announcement. I think Breath of the Wild 2 is coming in November. Nintendo's been silent on it for a long time now. And I think they've been doing that because they were waiting until they were ready. They were ready to release the next console uh, or the next iteration of the Switch, but also until they were really ready to say, hey, this game is ready now. Yeah, I am definitely expecting some uh, gameplay because I think our original trailer was just Zelda and Link going into a dungeon and seeing a scary dude, probably Ganon. Um, I I think on this one, either you're going to be side by side with Zelda or you're, it'd be potential. I don't know if it's the first game in the series, but you can actually play as Zelda instead of Link. That'd be awesome. Like switching back and forth, mm-hmm. which would be cool. Can you imagine, do you think they'd have any kind of co-op features then? I don't know. I, I don't know how that would work, but it'd be really cool. Mm, that would like be similar to like a Mario Luigi game. Dude, that Luigi would get me cool. playing Breath of the Wild with you. Yeah. I would love to play that side by side. That would be cool. Co-op? Yeah, and you could scavenge for weapons together, take on... Yeah. That'd be sweet. That'd be a ton of fun. Yeah. Do you think for the uh, Switch Pro that they would do a sim... Like, they'd... It would be, like, backwards compatible. Or do you think they'd go similar to, like, a PSP GameCube-style like disc so they can have more computing power? No, I think... 
I don't think the cartridge design is going to change very significantly. I think the Switch Pro is absolutely going to be able to play your current Switch um, carts. Okay. The next question is, is the hard... There's no way because it's Nintendo, but you know it begs the question, is it going to in any way up-res some of those older Switch games to look better and run better on the next hardware? I don't really think that's the case, but I think it definitely, very much like the 3DS played DS games, I think the Switch Pro will end up Play, being able to play your original Switch cards. Again, you're eliminating far too much of their uh, install base by not yeah. allowing those games to carry over. Even if, you know, the DS cartridges on a 3DS didn't look as great, even if you, you see a drop in quality by playing handheld. But yeah, I, I, I don't think... Okay, so like similar to like Game Boy Color games on Game Boy Advance. 100%. Or- like Wii games on a Wii U. Yeah, Nintendo's about making money and making money fast, so yeah. there's no way they're going to eliminate their install base by doing that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, do you have... I, I actually had Metroid Prime 4. Go I mean, it's it. been like four years since we've heard anything about it. Yeah, Retro Studios, um, what's up? I That's more of a wish because I've never played a Metroid game, and I wanted this one to be my fourth, so I'd like to see something. Your um, first. Yes, my break-in... Uh, <laughs> the virginity of the Metroid game for mm. sure, but I, I'm excited. I mean, the GameCube one I think was the one that made me interested in it. I've played Smash with Samus for what a decade plus at this yeah. point. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be excited to see something like that. Nice from Nintendo. Do you have any other Nintendo ones? I have two more. Yeah, okay. I have a, another likely prediction, and then I have a bold prediction for Nintendo. I have nothing else for Nintendo. Okay, let me just hit these two okay. real quick. So if it's to be believed that the Super Mario Odyssey team is working on a Donkey Kong platformer, and based on the articles that I've been reading, it's it's come to mixed conclusions whether this is going to be a 2D or 3D platformer. I think we have enough Donkey Kong 2D platformers the past two generations with Donkey Kong Country Returns that was also released on 3DS. We have Donkey Kong... Uh, country tropical freeze that released on wii u and switch we have enough 2d donkey kong games in our backlogs all right let's make the transition to a full-on 3d platformer i would love if they just basically made dk64 2 or if they just remade dk64 but i'm gonna kind of reserve my expectations a little bit and say that this is going to be more of a Two and a half D, I could see it going one of two ways. I could see it being like a Kirby 64 where it's kind of a two and a half D Klonoa door to Phantom Isle type platformer okay. or Yoshi's Crafted World that you played on Switch yeah. for uh, a reference I know you would be able to pick up on. Or it's going to be similar to Ukulele and the Impossible Layer where it does feel very Donkey Kong Country-esque, but they also have kind of a 3D overworld hub world that you can explore to kind of bring it back to its 3D platforming roots a bit. And then my guess, it's not that big of a stretch. I think it'll be called Donkey Kong Island. Okay, very nice. So that's my prediction. I just want more 3D platforming uh, Donkey Kong games. I just, DK64 was so ahead of its time. I mean, it is the 3D collectathon to end all collectathons. Bring Grant Kirkhope back to compose the soundtrack or him and David Wise have the two collaborate and just, you know, record or compose five hours of music like uh, Grant did for DK64. I want them to go all out. Be ambitious. Yeah. How old is Donkey Kong? Are they cel- I know everything seems to be celebrating a birthday now. 
like 30 years, Gosh. 30 like Zelda. And what was the original Donkey Pokemon. Kong? It was probably back in like 84 or something like that. It de- Donkey Kong debuted. Who knows? Maybe it was 1981 and we're just celebrating 40 years of Donkey Kong and we're just going to get DK64 remake. We're going to get Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze 7, and it's just going to be a whole celebration of DK. Yeah, I mean, that's another series I would love to dive into as well. Um, I know you, I might want to borrow your Switch game. I don't know if you ever played it, the Tropical Freeze. No, I always was wanting to stream all of the Donkey Kong Country games, but when that's going to happen is anyone's guess at this point. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Cool. For Donkey Kong. So my bold prediction here, because Nintendo needs to get off their lazy asses with their uh, Switch online service, and I know everyone, you know, will come to defend the NES and Super Nintendo games that sporadically, magically appear on the uh, Switch online service, which I know a lot of people out there, you know, are playing their NES and Super Nintendo games on their Switch, but, you know, coming off the the great success of the Wii U, where they had Game Boy Advance games, N64 games on the virtual console that you could purchase, how about... We finally bring the good old Nintendo 64 catalog on the Switch. All right? That would be awesome. So my guess is at some point in their Nintendo Direct Treehouse thing, they're going to debut the Nintendo 64 coming to Switch Online service. And then day the day of the Nintendo Direct, they're going to say, right now, you can boot up your Switch. You're going to have Mario 64, Pilot Wing, Star Fox 64, Wave Race, maybe OG Ocarina of Time or something. Just a little handful to get people ooh, get people happy. <laughs> Almost knocked my water over. <laughs> yeah, really happy. Just, just yeah. something, please, for the love, Nintendo. I know you're riding the coattails and success of stuff like Animal Crossing still, but it doesn't mean you can just sit complacent on your uh, piles and piles of cash. Yeah, that would be really cool. I'd really in love, or for like a Game Boy Advance, or even Game Boy Advance. I like mean, if mentioned. I could, if I could pick, it would be Game Boy Advance. Yeah, because I'd love to play like a new or the emulated version of that Lord of the Rings game. Well, they're never gonna bring shit like that on the on the. Virtual console. It's well, gonna... then fuck you, Nintendo. <laughs> we don't give a shit about what you're trying to say. Well, they're not going to bring Lord of the Rings Return of the King on GBA. They're going to bring Golden Sun and Mario Golf and Mario Super Circuit. I mean, Mario how Kart hard would it be to bring the entire library? For Nintendo? Yeah. It's like moving mountains. All right. Okay, well, move mountains, Nintendo. <laughs> do better. <laughs> you're letting us down. Yeah. Um, so those are my Nintendo predictions. So we can get back to uh, your next one, Ryan. Okay. Do we want to move into Xbox? It looks like you got Square next. Uh, dude, I want to save Xbox for last. Okay, so let's go Square. Yeah, we can do that. Let's do okay, it. so I think, I mean, we saw a gameplay trailer for uh, Final Fantasy 16 last time. Hell yeah. But I think they're going to uh, show more game tra- gameplay trailers along with a release date. And I, this is the bold part. Dude, bring one. it. Let's do it. I think it's going to be a timed exclusive on PlayStation, but also coming to Game Pass. Wow, that's huge on both fronts. Yeah, because the PlayStation 5 is not selling as well in Japan as I believe Xbox is. No, that's... They're selling more of it, but it's not... Compared to the older, like PS4, it's not selling as much. Okay. So I could see Square going into the uh, Xbox market. Okay. Yeah. Well, they need it. I mean, because... Yeah, I, I I don't know about that. I know when it was originally revealed, Final Fantasy 16 was an exclusive to PlayStation 5, 
And I think it'll remain that way. I could certainly see it being timed exclusive for like a year or two, eventually making its way to Xbox for sure. I kind of had the same similar train of thought. I think we get a meaty Final Fantasy 16 trailer. Better idea of where the combat's at, story direction. We know it's a lot darker. Plays a little bit like Witcher, Monster Hunter type stuff going on. Remains exclusive to PS5, and we just get a 2022 stamp at the end of the trailer. Yeah. Is my thought. No, I'd like that. Um, I'd pretend, I mean, I have a ton of Final Fantasy games in my backlog that I still have to play. Me too, man. Um, so if I start out with 16, I think it'll work my way back. I'm telling myself that I'll eventually play Final Fantasy, but coming off Persona. I really think 15 would be up your alley, but, yeah. you know, whatever. But, yeah, no, I think we're definitely going to see something for Final Fantasy 16. Mm, only makes sense, man. It only makes sense. Well, um, I'll go ahead. You got another one? Yeah, I, I, I potentially from them, I'm hoping, I didn't have this on my list, but either Octopath 2... Or something about the Triangle Square project <laughs> where there's strategies and shit. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have a release date or at least a trailer for Octopath. Too. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty likely, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I care about is Octopath. Good stuff. I like yeah. that. I like that prediction. Um, I only have one other one. Okay. So speaking of anniversaries, it is Lara Croft's anniversary. Oh. The old Tomb Raider. So I think we've already got word that the reboot Tomb Raider trilogy, so the first one that came out in like 2013, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, are getting a collection for a special price. So I think those will come to current gen systems with a little nice 60 frames per second bells and whistles refresh. I also think, given the 25th anniversary of Lara, we're going to get a remake of the OG game back on the PlayStation 1. No more polygons, up-res Lara. We're doing it big. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's Crystal Dynamics that actually develops the games, but Square Enix publishes, so. Are we going to get Jolie? No. Angelina Jolie's not reprising her role. Okay. (laughs) Like the age of 60 or whatever. (laughs) No, I think, um, uh, what is her name? Something Cunningham? She was in Grey's Anatomy. She's the voice actress for uh, the most recent Lara. She's great. Is that the one who played her in like the... No, that's uh, Alicia... V- that's one of the Vikander. X-Men's wives. Right? Yeah, that's Michael Fassbender's wife. Yeah. I know. I know. Linus. You know names. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Alicia was great. That was a good Tomb Raider film. Yeah, I, I never saw it. Pretty fun. I still have to see that one um, and then Monster Hunter movie. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Mila I never really have high hopes for like video game adaptations. I heard the movie was terrible. I heard it... Yeah. I, I I heard it didn't have a plot, but you get to see the monsters in high res, which is cool. Well, that's really all you care about, That's right? all I care about. Yeah, yeah, I don't give a shit about plots. Yeah, me um, either. I'm, that's why I'm kind of iffy on whether I'm going to care about the Uncharted uh, movie. But at least the screenshots I was seeing, my issue was what's-his-face as Sully. Mark Wahlberg just looks like Mark Wahlberg. He does. He He's very distinct. Um, it looks like they're going an un- younger version of Sully and Nathan, mm-hmm. so that could potentially work. But yeah, Mark Wahlberg is—he plays himself in every movie, like a Boston dude. Well, Tom Holland was even saying that he regrets a lot of his his shots in the movie because when he was filming, he was so deliberate about like certain like flexing his muscles when he was holding up like a, a flashlight and stuff yeah. like that, as opposed to just like trying to embody nathan drake yeah which kills me like 
Listen, you're not at the Arnold Classic, you know? You're not flexing, you're not juiced, you're not... (laughs) I'm just picturing that Predator scene where it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and the other dude just grasping hands and zooming in on their muscles. (laughs) Like, that's... No, that's not that's not uncharted. Yeah, no. So I I do not have high hopes for that film. Yeah, but which is sad. I'll still go but. see it. I'll still go see it. There's potential for a second, right? Yeah. Uh, you have anything else for Square Enix? No, not really. Um, I don't know who the maker of the the uh, Harry Potter game is. I don't know if that's Square Enix. It's not. It's uh oh gosh, I totally forget. Okay, well that's one kind of random one i was i'm hoping for yeah we saw an original trailer whether that was gameplay or not i don't really it i think it was a mixture of gameplay and kind of cgi but i would love to hear or see more about that Dude, that, look, that looks so good that's one of the like hypest i've been yeah to have a good harry potter game i never played the originals but this one looks like an amazing rpg all oh, those first few on the ps1 and ps2 are so freaking good I'll take your word on that one. Yeah. Um, but if we can get either a release date or more footage, I'm going to be jazzed. I hope so. That'd yeah. be a sweet reveal. And I think it only makes sense. I know, I think we earlier in the year, they sent out an announcement that it's delayed through 2021, which makes sense. I mean, just this, this, the, the scope scale. of that game is nuts. Yeah. So, um, Which I'm completely fine with. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, like I have plenty of games to play through the end of this year. Yeah. So you can delay all of the bigger shit to next year mm-hmm. to make it better but if we get more information whether it's just a broad 2022 or at least an update on where they are i'd, I'd love that 100 percent. yeah what do you say we move to bandai namco okay Sh- should i kick things off here kick it off i don't think elden ring is gonna even gonna be shown oh shut up man <laughs> <laughs> it's been like what a year and a half at this point Dude, if okay, I, I, I fully anticipate Elden Ring to come out as soon as George R. R. Martin releases his next book. Yeah, or they scrap the project in, as a whole. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm terrified to have it go through the Xbox showcase mm. and say it's an exclusive. Um, because they originally showed the first trailer, I think, an Xbox showcase. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know whether I'm hoping they address because of the leaked uh, internal footage from that game. I'm hoping they have some sort of trailer. What do you think the chances of it not being exclusive to Xbox, but day and date a Game Pass title? I'd be cool. I mean, I don't care. I don't have Game Pass, but you're saying only Game Pass or it's also coming to PlayStation. Like, what if it's a, a timed exclusive? Like, a year? You gonna buy a Series X? Oh, fuck. But the th- my... No, I'm not. Because my trophies, and not that I give a shit about trophies, but all my trophies or achievements or whatever are tied to buy my PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I, my Xbox 360 has been bricked for so many years that I don't know my username or anything. And starting from zero trophies would just kill me. Mm. Like, I've platinumed cup almost three of the uh, FromSoft games on my PlayStation account. It's, I don't know. Okay. It'd be hard. Screw it. Let's just get right into Xbox and Bethesda then. We'll come, we'll circle back to Bandai Namco. Okay. We'll blend the two because, you know, it's, if it's to be believed that Elden Ring is going to be shown at Xbox's showcase and potentially exclusive, I want to get into one of my predictions for xbox okay 
because it kind of ties into what you're getting at with if Elden Ring were to be exclusive, timed or otherwise, for Xbox. I think Wolfenstein 3 is revealed. We get a significant trailer detailing the story post-New Colossus. It's not revealed to be exclusive to Xbox and PC, but it is a day-and-date Game Pass title. And it's Wolfenstein New World or some other bullshit. But it would kill me... And I know it makes sense. Why would they pay $7.5 billion if it's not going to be exclusive to Xbox? I, I understand the argument, 100%. makes total sense. Why invest that much money if your games aren't going to be exclusive to the Xbox? However, with a series of games, Wolfenstein New Order, Wolfenstein New Blood, Wolfenstein New Colossus, Wolfenstein um, Young whatever with the two his two daughters, whatever it was called. The, the crappy one. Yeah, if all of those games come, across, come to all consoles i feel like you know phil spencer and everyone that's over there at xbox is mindful that you're restricting an entire audience that maybe only has a playstation to not see the conclusion to this trilogy with bj blaskowitz and all the supporting cast mm-hmm. uh, criminal is probably a stretch but i think it's pretty criminal so i think it's a day and day game pass title for sure i don't see wolfenstein 3 being exclusive to xbox i think it'll also come to playstation and getting to your points about wanting to have those trophies for Elden ring because you have the dark souls 1 and 3 platinums because you play dark souls 2 and bloodborne on your playstation similarly i played all the wolfenstein games to this point on my ps4 i want to play wolfenstein 3 on my ps5 yeah i mean it's not like they're not making because they own the ip they'd still be making revenue 100 yeah, they're still getting it. a cut yeah yeah um yeah, I I mean I'm not as invested as in Wolfenstein. I was seeing this one as a potential as well. Um, as long as they make this better than the last one with the two sisters or daughters, I'd be happy. I, I mean I I started the first one I think, but yeah, I'd definitely be cool. It, it's really going to be telling to see how they do the Game Pass stuff mm-hmm. and what's going to be exclusive. All I want from Xbox, besides like halo stuff which i'll talk about in a sec is just new ips and either gameplay which we need to see gameplay at this point it's been what seven months since the release of the console and a year since we've had any kind of update on things just new ips and actual footage of the game where they're at yeah and just to kind of piggyback on that i mean i think Greg Miller of Kind of Funny Games, he keeps making the analogy that, you know, Xbox keeps loading their barrel with all of these bullets, you know, buying all these studios, xCloud, Game Pass, backwards compatibility, all of these different things. We buy Bethesda, Elder Scrolls 6, Starfield, all of these franchises, Fable's coming back, Perfect Dark is coming back, Indiana Jones games in development, Fable, Avowed, all Everwild, like they have all of these games, but it's just like fairy tale dust at this point you know they haven't actually started firing on all cylinders with these exclusive titles releasing and they also haven't shown much gameplay for any of these games outside of these cinematic you know two to three minute trailers Mm -hmm. and so i think it's it's time now for them to put up or shut up halo it's it's gonna either die as a franchise as their flagship franchise for xbox moving forward if halo infinite cannot be good it cannot release and have sevens across the boards and, you know, have a 74 Metacritic. It needs to be 90s it, or high 80s. This game needs to be one of the best Halos. Like, if the headlines on reviews are not the best Halo since 3, yeah, I think it's it's a flop at this point. 
Like Halo yeah. has to be great. Like four and five visually were beautiful, but were not good. Um, but th- the original, it's hard to compete with how amazing the original three were. Like that's when I had an Xbox and I love the shit out of it. Yeah. I or, think I took off school for the third release date. Yeah. Like I, I mean, had the biggest, like I didn't get the helmet, which I think is what Ben got, but I got the one below that with like all the fixins. I was just, Halo, here's my money. Take it all. And I, I want them to have a return to form um, with Halo Infinite. I don't. I honestly didn't even have a prediction. My guess is it comes out in November. I think they need a release date. I think they need to lock it in. And if it's not ready and they have to delay it until 2022, I, <laughs> I, I don't even know what I would do. Like that it would just be. Yeah, we. It's. De- it was supposed to be a launch title, and they delay. If they're going to delay it more than a year, that would be kind of sad. Like. You know about when the console more or less is going to, if you're talking to your development studios, when your consoles are going to release. So, I mean, after uh, Halo 5, they would have started working on it with a rough deadline of we have three years, four years to develop this game. All I want from Halo, whether, I mean, I'm hoping for a release date, but I want to see what they've improved since the last trailer when they went back to the drawing board and took our feedback. Like, I think we've talked off podcast about address. Hey, yeah, last time, no, you guys weren't happy about this. We went back. Here's what we've improved. And side by side, whether it's side by side or not, show what's been worked on and how it's way better. And we're meeting the fans' expectations. 100%. I think the best thing 343 and Xbox can do to start their conference is opening with Halo and saying, and having a montage, because this is the 20th anniversary of Halo Combat Evolved releasing on the OG Xbox. I think they have a montage of footage just celebrating the Halo franchise and why it's so special and integral to Xbox's success over the course of these past Similar 20 years. Similar to the Pokemon one that Nintendo did, where it went yeah. through all the generations and all the hype around all the Pokemon events and everything. And then I think Phil Spencer comes out, and I think, to, to your point, what you were just getting at... He owns it. He says, like, yeah, we royally fucked up. We tried to change the graphical style. We understand the fans. It was met with pretty critical and harsh reception, deservedly so. Here's some footage of what the team has been doing to kind of course correct the game's development over the past, you know, eight to ten months. And show side-by-side footage of what we saw last fall when they revealed the game, and it was just met with a gazillion memes of that big grunt dude. Yeah, that's I would love if they went hardcore embrace the meme and say, "Hey, grunt before meme face, grunt now." Yeah, and it, it looks <laughs> amazing. Same meme face. Yeah, I mean, I think really just playing into that, not only is it going to be one of the most memorable moments of E3 this year and be just a crowd pleaser, everyone's yeah. laughing and just having fun because that's what E3 is about. Yeah, you get hype, but you're also just supposed to have fun because there's oftentimes just celebrities that come and make a fool of themselves. Do yeah. that with Halo Infinite and what it looked like last year and then show it what it looks like this year. People are going to be salivating at the mouth, freaking out, super pumped. Let's get my carbine and all my other Halo arsenal of weapons and let's go screw up some monsters. Yeah. Some aliens, no, I love that. whatever. And then November 22nd or whatever, coming this fall. And by the way, to celebrate Halo Combat Evolve's anniversary, we have a special edition Series X branded Master Chief console releasing this fall alongside the release of Halo Infinite. Pre-orders today. 
Boom. Yeah, because we haven't seen any consoles with branding. I know for the PS5, you can take off the plates, and there's companies that are popping up that are like recoloring them. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to see the first design, like a a design on the Xbox with Halo's face or whatever the hell. I would do everything would in my that. power to pre-order that. Yeah. 100%. Because no, I, I probably would too. Not that I need uh, a special edition Series X, but I've been holding off to like, there's that game for me to buy in on. And it's it's probably Halo Infinite. And yeah, you already if, got your figurine. Yeah, I got so. my, my Master Chief figure. Um, I've got five or six Xbox One games. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think mass. I mean, I love Halo. It's it's one of those comfort food games. Yeah. Like going back and playing like so many good nostalgic memories playing through the original on Legendary. And you better and believe. Even us playing through Legendary. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we better believe it's going to be a musky nasty sweaty mess in here the day halo releases hot cheetos oh dude we're gonna get mountain dew dew. oh we'll do it up it'll be so awesome we'll do legendary edition run on the campaign so much fun yeah Yeah. oh dude bring it give me some halo can't wait to see it i'm sure they're gonna open up their showcase with it and uh i hope it's the talk of the show this year yeah me too for sure all right, Ryan. Um, what else? You want to do another? Uh, an- I don't know what these are going to be. Mine are kind of more generic, not tied to companies at this point. Halo's kind of my last, like, I know who's producing this. Okay, well, let me run through some of my other Xbox Ones here. Okay, sounds good. All right, so a likely prediction, I think Elder Scrolls is kind of talked about in passing by Todd oh, Howard, yeah, and that's our biggest update. I'm hoping, because I guess I deleted it on accident. Um, Starfield, I think they need to show something. We all, we know this one is by name. So whether they're saying it, it's, a, I think they're going to have to put this one exclusive on Xbox or 100%. on Game Pass. Yeah. So what I said, Elder Scrolls six talked about in passing by Todd Howard. We don't even get a name. We don't know the region. We get no details on Elder Scrolls six. I think there 6. was talk of what region it was. Was sure. it like Red my, Guard or whatever? Maybe. But my point is at E3 this year, we're getting nothing. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Starfield is shown with a two to three minute gameplay demo, potentially more, formally revealed to be exclusive to Xbox and PC because there's been a lot of talk from Jeffy Grub Grub and all these other people, industry insiders, but we've not gotten official confirmation from Xbox, Bethesda, Phil Spencer, and Todd Howard. Yeah. We get that confirmation during E3. Starfield is exclusive to Xbox and PC. Coming 2022, the headlines across the internet are Fallout in Space. That'd be good branding. That's kind of how it's pitched. Okay. Yeah. No, I I think we need, I mean, after being bought for $7 billion, it needs to be, besides putting everything on Game Pass, some return on that investment. Yes. And I think Starfield, after its 40 years of development, it's almost as old as Donkey Kong at this point. Man, They need to show, I would love for them to say, new engine. Mm. Because the creation engine is just a fucking, it's so old at this point. It's like what oblivion i yeah. think is or before that even Morrowind potentially they said hey that skeleton of creation engine it's dying with the last skyrim game or with the last fallout here's our new engine the blank engine um i would love that that's fucking pipe dream i doubt they're gonna do it but i'd love to see that and then i'm i'd be excited for them to have this exclusive on xbox um with a release date and saying, hey, we're on track. Like, mm-hmm. I, whether there's a release date or not, I just want to know if these games are on track or they're pumping bullshit dates at us. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Like, that's why I was cool with Horizon not showing anything for release date. It's because they tweeted right after, we're still on track. I know the release date's the problem, but just letting you know, we're still working towards our original well, goal. And we've also got Returnal and Ratchet and Clank and Kena and other games to tie us over for some of those bigger releases. Yeah. You know, so um, totally, 100%. Uh, my next one here, Fable, Everwild, Perfect Dark are not shown or talked about, or we get minor trailers for one or potentially all of them. But I think Avowed being developed by Obsidian as this epic first-person RPG set in a fantasy world will get a lengthy gameplay trailer, will be the talk of the show, and people will even be asking, why even make Elder Scrolls Six at this point? Which one's Avow? Avowed is that one where it was a long CGI-type trailer where someone shot an arrow through the sky. Oh, yeah. And it the av- one we were curious about. And then that guy kind of has, like, magic. He was dual-wielding magic and a With, sword. Like, ruins on his sword. And then there was that dragon, like, breathing fire through the cave. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'd be really excited about that one. Yeah. Is that going to be exclusive? Did Probably. They- okay. Yeah. I don't know if they announced it in that last trailer. You no, know, I'm pretty sure it's exclusive to Xbox. Okay. Yeah. That might be a second game. If... There's a Halo edition of Xbox that I would oh, get. Oh, dude. Hell yeah. That would <laughs> that would be a call out on... I don't know if Xbox would be allowed to do that because they just bought the IP, but like the Skyrim or Elder Scrolls killer. Yeah. That would be good marketing. It would be. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd like that. Um, my bold final prediction for Xbox... I know people say the series doesn't... And the character doesn't have a lot of staying power anymore. No one cares. But you know what? Xbox, if they're going to be successful, they need to have a broad library of well-represented genres. And I think one genre that's extremely lacking on Xbox and has been for quite a while now. Can you guess it, Ryan? Platformers? 3D platformers. (laughs) I was like, gosh, there's so many. What does Rusty care about singularly? Yes. Oh, platformers, duh. <laughs> banjo Redoey is revealed. Grant Kirkhope takes the stage to play the banjo theme, which then turns into this then versus now montage of footage of what Banjo Kazooie used to look like on the N64. Maybe the Xbox 360 slight uh, remaster that they did on the Xbox Live Arcade back in the late two, early 2000s or whatever. And then Banjo Redoey, baby. And you know what? Maybe they Kirkhope's do. Kirkhope's getting a lot of. Uh... Getting a lot of uh, money. Dude, out of he's your composing Halo he's soundtrack. He's he's composing everything. <laughs> yeah. Like he's doing it all. All right. Nice. Good for him. Yeah. Getting the big bucks. No, I love that. I mean, coming out of Smash, bringing him to Smash Bros. Everyone is super excited with his launch. Um, hopefully that reinvigorates a series with him. I like the name Redewey. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be cool to play that one. Dude, please, for the love of all that is good, if not, New Super Luckies 2, make it exclusive to Xbox if you need to, but I just want more 3D platformer representation, okay? Do you think Redui would be exclusive to Xbox, or they would bring that to Switch? Because I think that would be a good Switch game. That would be the only other console I could see it coming to. Yeah. Switch. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely a possibility since they allowed Banjo to come to Smash Brothers. Yeah. Right? So, nice. I'm trying to think here. I think that's all of my Xbox predictions. Okay. The last few I have are just circling back with Bandai Namco. Actually, no, I do have a random one up here, but I'll let you go. I've been talking a lot. Okay. I think they could, I don't know who this would be for, but Outer Worlds 2. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, I, it was, I think it was a smaller scope than really originally expected. It's, 
But I think this one's going to be a larger world than the first. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of the Fallout type games. And this was, I think, the people who made New Vegas. Obsidian. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this one would just be a growth on the success of the first one. Yeah, I could see it happening. I mean, it's tough to know how big the Obsidian team is if they are working on Avowed right now. I'm, I'm sure they have two separate teams potentially because I think Outer Worlds just got some DLC that released not too long okay. ago. Um, so, I, But I could certainly see them using the same engine and just kind of building upon what they already had. Yeah, and whether, I mean, we don't need to have... I mean, if they're still releasing DLC, they don't need to have, here's it, the new game coming. Just it's in production it. or it's being worked on. Yeah. And we know you like the first one. We're continuing that. I could definitely see that for yeah. sure. And it, I'm, I'd be cool with the cinematic trailer for this one. If yeah. it's early production, hopefully a little bit longer than the fable, <laughs> like three second. Here's a toad and fairies. Yeah. But yeah, I'd be cool with that. Good stuff. I like that. Uh, Going back to Bandai Namco for me, this is really my last bigger um, prediction. Again, I guess I have one random one up there. But I think there will be some kind of Klonoa celebration because they recently were teasing on their Twitter account about a return for the character. Okay. Um, that, of course, this series isn't for everyone, but the real ones will know. A trailer debut that seems like it might be another Door to Phantom Isle remake, similar to the one in the Wii, but it's actually Klonoa 3. Which one's Klonoa? I'm trying to picture that one. Uh, I have the weak case right next to you over there on your left, down there. Okay. It's alphabetized, so you should be able to find it pretty quickly there. I did. Wow. That it actually comes in handy <laughs> with your anal retentive. Oh, okay. This is a platformer, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's kind of 2.5D, so similar to Kirby 64 Crystal Shards, baby. Okay. Woohoo. Woohoo. <laughs> okay. I'd be game with that. Yeah. Cute little platforming series. Bring them back. Bring back Klonoa. All right. I think that'd be cool. And then I think Bandai Namco ends their stream with some random Dragon Ball Z game because fans have been craving more Dragon Ball Z since the last game released like two months ago. Really? No. After a Kakarot? There's like four million Dragon Ball Z games, but Bandai Namco has to release a new one every year. So. Okay. Yeah. Or DLC to the Kakarot game or because I never that one. It looked like, was it like an open world Dragon Ball Z game? It th- looked like it had promise. I think so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's been, I never really got into any of the Dragon Ball Z games. My hope from them is just either Bloodborne 2 or Elden Ring. Mm. Um, Bloodborne, one of my favorite games ever. I would love to see them go to a new region or before everything went to shit and you see everything go to shit within Yarnum. That'd be sweet. Because they have, like, I mean, I think at that point, the Elden or the, like, the gods or whatever, those would be around. Because previously, they are in this, in wow, in Bloodborne, they were in the tunnels only. Mm-hmm. And that's where they found the old blood. So, maybe the old ones are out everywhere, you, and Yarnum's just going to shit with the blood diseases. I don't know. There's hope. Or to go, just go to a different region. I could see uh, that. I'd love to have Bloodborne 2 and then Elden Ring. Just grace me with your presence. Show Please. me that you're still a game For that love. I can care about. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, my last kind of random announcement is I think the next game in the Jedi Fallen Order series will be revealed by Respawn. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I Star Wars game. Uh, there, I We need more of them. And I would love to see the next 
Or hell, uh, maybe Bioware is working on a KOTOR remake. That's that's my other one as well. I would love to see a KOTOR remake. There's been so many Star Now that EA doesn't have the rights, which is just the best. Yeah, it is. Um, there's been so many games for Star Wars that have been on the table and then nixed. I would love to have an open world um, Star Wars game. Mm, that'd be pretty sweet. Give me lightsabers, give me lasers, give me weird creatures, just... Star Wars. Let me bathe in it, man. My yeah. gosh. And I don't know. I don't need to see, I mean, uh, kind of going into the lore of the the 6 through, or 7 through 9, the new trilogy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really care if we have a game based around that. I would rather have more of the lore kind of out that we haven't explored. Yeah. So. Good stuff, man. Well, do you have any more any more predictions? Um, I had Shadow of Mordor three. Oh hell yeah! Potentially, my gosh, bring it, Monolith. I haven't played the first two. I tried again and I failed. Jeez, uh, I just suck, apparently. Um, but I would love to have that story continue because it broadens. I don't know if it's canon or not. Some more lore. Yeah, no, Probably it's not. it's definitely not canon, but they they take some creative liberties with the source material, uh, and I love it. I love every little bit of it. And I love Talion as a main protagonist, even though Troy Baker voices him, as he voices pretty much every character <laughs> these days. Yeah. But uh, I feel like Shadow of War's story was rather conclusive. Oh, okay. So they'd have to be a little, again, creative in how they change it up a little bit. Or maybe we have a new protagonist. I don't know. But I'm 100% down for another game in that series because um, I would more than happily replay Shadow of Mordor and War on Xbox One slash Series X, not only to get the achievements, but just to re-experience those stories. So, It also might be cool if they went for you're the dark side trying to conquer everything, opposed mm. to you're the light side. Because I, I don't... Was it the tactics? Lord of the Rings tactics? Yeah, PSP, baby. Where you could baby. play yeah. as the dark side and kind of conquer everything. Um, that'd be a cool spin on it. I love the good versus evil campaign type yeah. stuff. It's good. And then I have one more. Mm. Which is Bioshock 4 trailer. Ooh. Yeah, and I've heard rumors about that. Yeah, I think it's being produced by Cloud Chamber. Yeah. So that would be cool. I haven't played, I played the first one. You said, uh, was it Infinite? Infinite. Was really good. Um, so just expanding that genre or that oh, catalog of games. You and I could have a really great, super deep conversation related to Bioshock Infinite if you play it. Story-wise, okay. like the end of it, I think it would just open up a conversation that would require bourbon and cigars. Yeah, I mean, that's why I put it on my gentleman's challenge was playing one and two. Yeah. But I got Persona, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not disappointed, but disappointed because I wanted to play those, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll eventually play them. Okay, good stuff. Well, um, a lot of great predictions. Again, if 10% of these come true, man, I don't even care. I just love the hype surrounding E3. It's always such a good time tuning in, getting hyped with everyone else, tuning into Twitch streams, talking in our Discord. If you're not already there, I posted kind of the schedule of all the different showcases, the showcase what's going down, when it's happening, the day, the time, the whole nine yards. So get in the Discord, get hyped with us. I'm so pumped. Uh, I guess the countdown begins now because it's in about in a week. Yeah, so it's coming up. It's coming up. Looking forward to it. And I hope everyone else is too. So let us know in the Discord. What do you think of the predictions? What predictions do you have? Let's just get hyped together, you know? Yeah. 
All right, well, good stuff. Hope everyone enjoyed some of the E3 goodness. ready to go. We are ready to get into the main topic of today's episode. You thought it might be E3 predictions. Maybe you thought it was talking about Persona 5 and Shenron, but we're actually going to get into this new topic of Otaku Brothers called the Destiny Island Challenge. You excited? I'm really excited. Good stuff. Yes. So for those that are not aware, or if you're a first-time listener of Otaku Brothers, Ryan and I, a couple weeks back, were just thinking of new segments that we could do for the show to kind of spice things up a bit. And one idea we came to was Destiny Island Challenge. You know, the age-old question people ask on video game forums and even gaming podcasts, if you were on a desert island and you can only pick three games to take with you, what three games would they be? And there's typically no restrictions around that, right? It's just your favorite three games, what games are going to get you through the rest of your life on this deserted island. And I thought, let's blow that up a bit. Let's pick five games, but let's also hone in on one specific console and not only are we going to pick five games for it let's do a little history lesson when did it come out how well was it received let's bring some fun facts and trivia for the good people yeah let's because this is an educational program we talk about that a lot here on talk brothers yeah we're waiting on a certification from the u.s government to be classified as a school (laughs) (laughs) we need tax exemptions but maybe in the future we haven't gotten that letter back yet (laughs) yeah But uh, yes, hopefully in the future we will be doing that. But Ryan, I'm super pumped because if the listeners don't know, we do not have a long history or history at all with the Sega Genesis. Yeah, I wasn't alive (laughs) when it came out. I was like two two years away from being alive. So yeah. So uh, what do you say we start off by giving the good people a little history lesson on the Sega Genesis? introduces Spider-Man with real web-slinging action. New Streets of Rage. You control 40 incredible moves. Gotta get Genesis like nothing ever before. Genesis is so much more. Sega Genesis gives you more real villains, hot graphics, and killer two-player action. Genesis. It's a whole lot more. Genesis. Gotta get Genesis. Yeah, so I can kick things off with a little bit of information about the console. So, being a Japanese company, it was a first released in Japan 
in October of 1988. Ooh. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah. And then made it to its or made it to North America the next year in August of 1989. Korea being the third release date in 1990, so 2 years after the uh, Japanese release and then to PAL which is basically a bunch of different regions yeah. and then pretty much everywhere else mm-hmm. um, in September of 1990. Overall, the console sold about uh, 30.75 million units. Wow. So pretty good amount. Um, and then you in 1998, there was a Majesco third gen release, which was 100 or 1.5 million units. Okay, okay. Yeah. So this was kind of a third party license to make uh, the third gen. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as top selling games, the first one's going to make a lot of sense um, because of some of the history I'll go into. But uh, Sonic the Hedgehog sold 15 million units. Wow. Um, and then the second one being a far distance from the first one with 6 million, which was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Okay, which that's... also makes a lot of sense when it comes to their marketing. Um, the remainder th- of the top five are Aladdin, Disney sold four million, and then Sonic the Hedgehog three and Sonic Knuckles sold about four million. And then dropping down a little bit further was NBA Jams, oh, with nice. just under two million. Yeah, but. As far as the kind of launch of this back in nine or eighty-eight, um, it wasn't received super well. It had really bad launch window. It launched right up against the NES's um, Super Mario Bros. Three. Oh, okay. And it, that's, I think that game, from what I was seeing, sold about eighty million copies. Just something ridiculous. Um, so probably not the best amount or best timing. But eventually. They remarketed how they sold the Genesis, and they paired it with um, Sonic the Hedgehog as a pair game, and that's where the Genesis took off. Okay, Um, and that's also probably why you're seeing 15 million units um, for Sonic, Mm. Um, and then later, as the um, second Hedgehog game came out, that's they updated that pairing. Gotcha, Um, but it. Really, the sales are tied to how amazing their marketing was. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and they've got a great slogan. If you want. Sega does what Nintendo don't, baby. Yeah. And I they were just... This is kind of the definition or a really aggressive uh, console wars. Yeah. I know we talk about Xbox, um, PlayStation, and the all-superior uh, master race of computers... Nintendo's in there as well, I guess. Uh, but these, the marketing campaign of the Genesis versus NES and SNES was just brutal. Yeah. So, yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, I have a lot of fun facts. So everyone just kind of needs to buckle up, strap in. Maybe you have a cup of tea or coffee. You're sitting out on the lawn. Maybe you're doing some yard work. Maybe you're on your commute to work. Maybe you're just playing some good video games while you listen to the show because I have a lot of trivia to get through. Some of it ties into Sega's marketing campaign. Some of it ties into blast processing. Some of it ties into how Sega in many ways paved the way for what we know today as video games and just everything that's associated with them. 
So this first fun fact I have here, I title, This Isn't Our First Rodeo. So, believe it or not, the Genesis was actually Sega's third console. Most people know that Sega had uh, an 8-bit console before the Genesis in the Mega in the Mega Drive, but they actually had yet another console before that, called the SG-1000. The SG-1000 launched in Japan on the same day as Nintendo's Famicom, oh. otherwise known as the Nintendo Entertainment System, on July 15th, 1983, and, well... I bet you can guess how that battle went for Sega. The SG-1000 was such an immediate flop, it was not it was blah, 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 it was never even considered for an American release. So the Mega Drive and Genesis was a real get a hit or go back to the bench situation. Yeah. For Sega. For sure. Yep. The North American name change, I think people are pretty familiar with this one, but the Genesis is remembered by a much different name outside of the United States. In other markets, the console was sold as the Mega Drive. This name was also intended for the U.S. market, but the U.S. branch of Sega decided to change the name to, quote, Genesis, and the new name was meant to be a symbolic title representing a new era of Sega in the American marketplace, which, talk about a really kick-ass name. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Mega Drive would have hit hit as hard as no. Genesis. No, definitely not. Because when I was doing research for this, I had never heard of Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. I've always heard, heard Genesis, and I was like, what the fuck is a Mega Drive? <laughs> like, that doesn't sound as cool No, by any stretch. Definitely not. Definitely not. So, yeah, I love the Genesis, the Saturn, the Dreamcast. They were always so cool with their naming conventions for the yeah. consoles that they created. So, good stuff there. It also... I'm not sure if you knew this, shares hardware with the Apple Macintosh. Really? Yes. So the console's internal hardware was a mashup of an Apple Macintosh and a Game Boy. Sega mm. wanted the Genesis to be easy to develop for and port games to, so it was built out of the most common chips and components possible. The system's main processor was a Motorola 68000, the same chip that powered the original Apple Macintosh five years prior, and its sound chip was a Zilog Z80 the ancient chip it first hit the market in 1976 that powered the OG Game Boy. Wow. Yeah, when I was researching this and I heard all of the technical jargon, they're like, this is its hardware. I was just, I pretty much blank. <laughs> yeah. But that's really interesting that it shares, I not. it's not its direct competition, but it shares hardware with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. This next one I have here, Many hardcore Genesis, many hardcore longtime fans of the Genesis should be familiar with. Quote unquote, blast processing wasn't just a PR buzzword. Blast processing was real. To this day, Sega's blast processing is held up as the ultimate example of video game industry meaningless techno babble. But the fact is, blast processing wasn't pure PR nonsense. Yes, the words blast processing were dreamt up at a marketing meeting, but the idea behind those words, that the Genesis was a much faster machine than the Super Nintendo was absolutely true. The Genesis had a much more muscular CPU than the Super Nintendo and was capable of direct memory access. It's complicated, but basically various Genesis functions could access the system's RAM without going through the CPU. So, in other words, for the layman terms people like myself, the system could multitask in a way that the Super Nintendo could not further speeding up the system. The Super Nintendo had other things going for it, like a greater range of colors and fancy Mode 7 3D effects, but the Genesis was undeniably the speedier system, just like Sonic the Hedgehog himself. 
Blast processing. <laughs> what a weird like term. <laughs> yeah. It's very 90s. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other like techno babble that we've heard in like the recent times. Teraflops. Teraflops. That's I, I'm still not convinced that's a real word. <laughs> <laughs> I Googled it a few times. It still hasn't sunk. It sounds like something Elon Musk would coin. It sounds like something out of Star Trek. Yeah. Like... Yeah, our uh, ship has 37 teraflops as, like, it used as a distance. Oh, yeah. Or, like, a speed. Like, like the Kessel Run yeah. kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, yeah. We ran the Kessel Run in 30 teraflops. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Blast processing, what a word. The Sega Genesis has blast processing. Super Nintendo doesn't. So what's blast processing do? What if you don't have blast processing? Okay, so getting back into it, I know you kind of hinted at the whole console wars aspect between Nintendo and Sega. Now we really get into the thick of that because Nintendo saw someone knocking on their revenues door and they were not happy about it. So this next one we have Nintendo's flex moves are a blessing for Sega. Late Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi played a big, as big a part as just about anyone, with the possible exception of Donkey Kong, Mario, and Zelda creator Shigeru, Shigeru Miyamoto at making the company into the multi-billion dollar powerhouse that it is today. Yamauchi, who was a third generation owner of the longtime family owned company, had transformed it from a moderately successful playing card and mechanical toy maker into one of the biggest and most influential media companies of all time. But Yamauchi was also known for being a somewhat ruthless businessman who who wasn't above old school business practices. After the monstrous success of the NES, Yamauchi had felt emboldened to force third-party game companies into restrictive, one-sided deals that disproportionately benefited, benefited Nintendo. For a time, companies didn't really have a choice but to comply, as the NES was the only game in town, so to speak. But once the Genesis launched and began to gain a foothold on the market, there was suddenly a second viable console in the market with which to produce blockbuster games for. Sega was able to woo many major game publishers over to the still-fledgling Genesis simply because it was willing to offer better, fairer deals than Nintendo ever would. If Nintendo had treated its partners better, many of those companies may have never even bothered taking a chance on the Genesis in the first place. In effect, Nintendo's... How do you pronounce this word, Ryan? Is it hubris? Hubris. Hubris basically created what became its first legitimate competitor. That's interesting. Yeah, I've definitely seen... I mean, you've seen this with the company that you work for. Yeah, so I work for a Japanese company. Yeah. And that... that, Yeah. They don't it, want to go against the grain, so to speak. Yeah. It, I, I'm trying to pick my words carefully here. Um, there's definitely a set kind of mold mm-hmm. that Japanese companies negotiate in, mm-hmm. at least from what I've seen. Um it's different than like American companies. So pushing these more one-sided deals seems about in line from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting that it's terrifying for my <laughs> current business. Uh, 
if like them jumping ship to go to other manufacturers or other game companies because of the crappy deals either we made or were made with them. When it's funny too, like I can't even imagine some of these other third parties, this this guy basically pinning them up against a wall and said, don't you dare go over there, make yeah. games for us. But then eventually like this is not cost effective for us. We're going to make games for the Genesis because it's cheaper and it's the hottest new toy on the market. Yeah, like in practice with me, it's like, I mean, we're a billion dollar company. We potentially strong arm companies into meeting our cost targets. And then they start getting business with other OEMs. And then they... What are OEMs? What does that stand for? uh, Original equipment manufacturers. It's basically like the tier one of... So like in automotive, it would be like Ford Mm. or GM or someone. Yeah. They would be the OEM, and then you'd have the suppliers, which are tier one, tier two. Gotcha. Stuff. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, if they, as their market share or their catalog of parts that a supplier would have grow with a different OEM, then they could m- potentially minimize with our company and then have, we'd have less negotiating power because they have more of their revenue or total company with other uh, mm. OEMs. Yeah. So, like for in this case, um, as say, uh, Konami gets more market share uh, or their total revenue from Sega, they could give less shits about Nintendo. Yeah. So interesting yeah. stuff. There's definitely a business side to all of this, my friends. Yeah. But, uh, this next one kind of continuing the train of Nintendo versus Sega facts, we have Nintendo convincing stores not to stock the Genesis. Ooh. The clout that Nintendo had earned after the runaway train that was the NES's success didn't just give it power over its third-party partners. It also gave it some control over retail stores as well. As detailed in Blake J. Harris's book, Console Wars, Nintendo had decided to flex some of its muscle on retailers as a response to the growing threat of Sega's Genesis. With the NES still a huge seller and bringing in big bucks for any stores that sold it and its games, Nintendo was in a position to threaten stores with pulling the NES if they didn't do what Nintendo wanted, which, in this case, was for the stores not to stock Sega's products. While this was a pretty easy sell in the Master System days, the Genesis was earning some big buzz already and stores wanted in on the action. For a brief time, Nintendo was successful in stalling the Genesis's debut in some major store chains, including Walmart, because wow. Nintendo was threatening to pull out of those stores if they didn't comply. And that's when Walmart would have been smaller, oh, and yeah. like an up-and-comer. So it's not the like powerhouse that we're thinking of now where Walmart owns the world, yeah. similar to Disney, mm-hmm. but this is like tiny backyard walmart yeah but it's still like it's crazy to think that nintendo strong-armed walmart yeah that's wild so going on while it may have kept the genesis from making much traction in its first year or so which and this isn't even part of the facts but let's be honest you hinted at not having a strong launch with altered beast and a few other games yeah the system was destined to fail prior to getting back into the facts once sonic hit the scene even nintendo wasn't able to talk stores out of getting in the Sega business. And by that point, Nintendo needed retailers just as much as retailers needed them and didn't end up pulling their product from stores even once the store started selling the Genesis. Yeah, it's crazy how fast in the business world the tables turn. Yeah. It goes from you're the one with all the cards to you're at the lower end of the... Yeah, because at that point, they're at the mercy of the retailer. Like, please sell our products. You know, we're not going to pull them. 
uh, from your stores if, if you don't sell them because the retailers are like, hey, you need us just as much as we need you. So let's just, you know. Yeah, without us, you don't have a stream. You can't push your units. 100%. 16-bit arcade graphics. Montana free, Pat Riley free, Buster Douglas free, Super Monaco GP free, or Collins free. What don't. We've got two more fun facts, Ryan. So this next one, pioneering the concept of actual game release dates. Some people mm-hmm. might find this one surprising. With some exceptions, the generally accepted day of the week that most new games are shipped to stores is Tuesday in the United States. <laughs> However, this wasn't always the case. As anyone has ever who has ever tried to do any kind of research on the video game industry prior to the mid-90s knows, release dates for games and systems is extremely sketchy from gaming's early days. In the olden times, games kind of just got to stores whenever they got to stores. All we really had was a vague window of time when a new game was expected, and then we had to just call Toys R Us day after day for weeks on end, bugging the poor 17-year-olds who worked about (laughs) whether they got Castlevania 3 in yet. In one of Sega of America's many cunning PR moves, they set about changing all of that with Sonic 2. In order to build hype for the highly anticipated sequel, they made the almost unheard of move of having an actual release date in games public marketing. And with that date being on a Tuesday, they cleverly called it Sonic Tuesday. That's awesome. Because that was the date that Sonic 2 released. It was such a successful marketing move that Tuesdays became the default game release day going forward, and more and more games began being promoted with actual release dates. The idea of games not having release dates nowadays seems crazy. We have Sega and Sonic 2 to thank for that. That's awesome. It seems like, I mean, I didn't know much about the Genesis before, like, preparing for all of this, but it's crazy how much they did shape the market yeah whether with release dates or with the rating system or everything yeah it's surprising well because nintendo they took a very traditional approach as they do today and they just said hey our games are going to speak for themselves yeah we're going to release mario we're going to release zelda we're going to release metroid and we don't need to have these fancy pr marketing schemes for people to buy in our games are going to do it all alone but sega had to you know, basically pull themselves from the bottom to get to the top. So they needed to have these fancy fun, poking fun at Nintendo moves like Sega does with Nintendo, Nintendo don't. They needed to have a more powerful console. They needed to come up with Sonic Tuesday for release dates. And yeah. everyone thinks, wow, that's so clever. You know, it's such an odd concept of calling a store like because that's also that time period is young Internet mm-hmm. as well. So you don't have. Hey, I'm going to search, when does Walmart have this available? All right, here's a purely, like, big font. This is the release date. And it wasn't even one of those things either. It's like, let's just go to Google and see what time Best Buy opens on a Saturday. You just keep calling until someone answers the phone. it was probably Ask Jeeves back then. (laughs) (laughs) Back in 1990, there was nothing. It was just calling. Yeah. It was just picking up the old phone. Those were dark times. They are very dark (laughs) times. Yes. All right, this final fun fact, I think it's a fun, interesting one to end on. It was the first console to have game ratings. One of the most crucial ways that Sega differentiated the Genesis from the Super Nintendo was in positioning it as the cooler, edgier alternative to Nintendo's more childish 
system. At the time when Nintendo was still trying so hard to be family-friendly that they couldn't even keep religious-sounding spelled names like quote-unquote holy intact when they localized RPGs, to have a competitor who was willing to bring the ultra-violent Mortal Kombat home with all the blood and fatalities included was just the thing that teenage gamers in the 90s were looking for. Mm-hmm. It also turned out to be what politicians were looking for as well, as they soon started to go after the video game industry for its increasingly adult content. The infamous 1993 Senate hearings on video game violence went pretty hard at Sega, zeroing in on games like Mortal Kombat and Sega CD's Night Trap. Nintendo smudgely proclaimed during that time that a game like Night Trap would never be caught on a Nintendo console. Flash forward to 2021, and you can get Night Trap on the Nintendo Switch, but we're not going to go into that right now. As a response to the hearings, Sega decided to be proactive and create its own self-imposed rating system to help parents make more informed choices as to what games are and are not appropriate for their children. Soon after, the rest of the industry followed Sega's lead and devised a universal rating system that was very similar to Sega's. Yeah. It's interesting that Mortal Kombat released on Nintendo as well. Um, but instead of all the blood, it was actually sweat. And then there was also the pared down version of Mortal Kombat on the Genesis. But to get to the full uncensored uh, game, you just had to enter a cheat code. Mm. And running around in the 90s on the schoolyard cheat codes and like who heard the cheat codes and everything that shit was passed around quick yeah so then everyone knew about the cheat codes and that's where shit got real yeah the esrb peggy and all that yeah no it's fascinating because i have a handful of genesis games and when i was into collecting for the genesis about uh four or five years ago i kind of cleaned up on like literally like the 10 games that i wanted which were mostly disney um licensed titles yeah i saw ga in the bottom corner and i didn't really know what it was i almost thought i had purchased a pal copy game and it was just this weird insignia you know identifying it as a game from a different region or something but it actually was the family friendly audience rating of general audience ga and it went on the next one above that was ma13 probably for obviously teenage audiences Mm -hmm. and then the adult only rating of ma17 which is probably what mortal kombat got oh okay but that's that's all i got for facts ryan okay yeah i I like those facts i think it was a fun list i certainly learned something when i was doing the research for all of the the genesis stuff so hopefully everyone out there learned a little something new about the old sega genesis but now ryan we have to prepare for life on a deserted island yes we do we have five games that we can select I'm sure you did a tremendous amount of research looking at the best ofs, the greatest hits of the Sega Genesis library. Yeah, there was like a YouTube video with 300 of the best Sega game or Genesis games. And then there was a more manageable one of 100. So I went through the 100 Genesis games and uh, yeah, I got some good ones that I'm excited to potentially play. Nice. Well, I don't have any particular order. I didn't rank my list in no, any significant either. way. Um and it's one of those things too, because I didn't, I tried my best not to read the listing of games for listeners that sent in their lists because I didn't want that to in any way influence my selections or my choices. Okay. And it's also one of those things that I think for people that grew up with the Genesis, nostalgia plays a significant role in the games that you choose. 
right? Mm -hmm. And since you and I don't have any nostalgic ties to the console, I really kind of wanted to have a broad library of genres to select from because yeah. if I'm going to be there forever, I want some stuff that is comfort food in nature, but I also want some things that are going to challenge me. And I also want some games that are going to take me a long time to beat yeah. that way. Like if I restart a save file or just go through it again, I know that I have a meaty adventure ahead of me. Yeah. That, or you can play it in different ways. Yes. Um, so from what I was seeing, there's a f like four main genres. Um, there was like the Galaga spaceship shooters, which mm -hmm. had like a range of guns. You have platformers. You have like the Castlevania RPGs, and then you have beat 'em ups. Mm -hmm. I didn't see much variation outside of that. That's pretty much it. I guess there's some sports, but who cares about sports games? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So those were the four that I kind of chose from. Um, and I, similar to you, chose a bunch of different uh, across all genres. Okay. Well, um, why don't you go ahead and hit us with your first one? All right. Let me uh, scroll up. This might be my favorite one on the list, or at least the most unique one. It's called Rocket Knight Adventures. Mm -hmm. And it is produced by Konami, released in August of 1993. Um, and it was met with mid to low 90s. Oh, so actually pretty good scores. Mm -hmm. And the main concept of this is you are Sparkster, an opossum knight um, who fights against an army of robots, pigs, and basically using mechanized vehicles. And uh, you have a sword. It's very Castlevania-esque or um, kind of Metroidvania-ish. Mm -hmm. It seems like. You get upgrades as you're going through like these platformers. I think it's classified as a platformer. I don't. You seem to recognize what this name is. So, would you classify this as a platformer? So this is one of my choices as well. Okay. Very big fan of Rocket Knight Adventures. I used to own it on the Genesis. Um, from the very few Genesis titles that I've owned over the years. And how do you? I think you pronounce it just possum, right? It's opossum. It's opossum. You're supposed I've to heard like it that. both ways. It's. The way it's here is opossum. Yeah, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but... Tell us, if you know animals, what it is. Yes, but to your point, yeah, I would consider this kind of a side-scrolling platformer beat-em-up mm -hmm. with mech suits, and kind of the main weapon of choice that Sparkster uses is a sword, and you kind of, like, once you swing your sword, projectiles kind of come out of it, yeah. right? There's, like, energy beams and things of that nature, um, but it just looks like a terrific, challenging... Yeah. Platformer beat em up with um, really great graphics, a fun soundtrack. And from the how long to beats that I was looking at, it looks like you could probably beat this game in about an hour and a half to two hours. If yeah, you will. I, I watched some of the gameplay of like a full playthrough and it was about two hours on YouTube. Yeah. So great selection. And what I did with all of my games that I chose, because I don't have the ties to these games is I would go and listen to certain songs on YouTube from the game. I would look up reviews of the game, gameplay footage, and I took from those different videos YouTube comments mm. from people that cool. really loved these games. So I have three here from Rocket Knight Adventures. Well, I feel like I didn't prepare enough with No, comments. dude, it's all good. <laughs> Again, there's no structure to this. We're just having fun. So this first one here, the person says, this game was amazing. Had it all. Seriously. Music gameplay even graphics were full of details beating this game was such an accomplishment yeah and writing that com uh comments we have someone else that says 
this game is the metal slug of the Sega Genesis. In what? other words, if you don't know what the Metal Slug series is, I do not. really, really challenging run and gun arcade game. Oh, cool! Over, over the, over the, like it's on a gazillion consoles. There's like 20 Metal Slug games. Metal Slug. Yeah, uh, and then this third comment, the person says, the best part of this game is its replayability factor. This game just doesn't get old. It is as fun the 50th time around as it is the first. And that's what it seemed like. It seems like you could play, I mean, being on, stuck on an island forever, you'd want something that you could replay over and over. And I like the idea, similar to um, Super Lucky's Tale, um, you got like a unique, not like a normal human um, kind of main character. I Opossum, I don't know if I've ever seen an opossum in anything else when it comes to video games. Um, it was bet- as far as the platforming genre. It was between this and like a lot of the Disney, like um, Mickey Mouse. I don't know if I'd consider uh, th- like the thriller moonwalking one. Just like platformers mm-hmm. um, on the Sega, and this like really drew my eye. Yeah, no, it's a great choice. Great choice. Well, I'll go ahead and do my second one. Okay. Um, because I know we kind of shared in the Rocket Knight Adventure selection, so. The first game that I actually did select was Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse. This game came out in 1990. It's a beautiful side-scrolling platformer where you, of course, play as Mickey Mouse. You're on a quest to save Minnie from some evil witch or some other random Disney cliche villain. Yeah. But super colorful graphics from what I've seen. Really nice sound effects. A wonderful soundtrack. And again, with my love of Disney films, even the character Mickey Mouse... I need some comfort food nostalgia video games. And while I don't have a history of playing Castle of Illusion, I know it's lauded as being one of the better platformers on the system. It was recently remade for really across all consoles. Mm-hmm. I own the game on Steam. I have yet to play it. But it's one of those things that'll kind of remind me of simpler times when I'm trying to find water and, and skin fish and eat coconuts for a living. Yeah. So, um, Castle of Illusion... Fun uh, looking game. The couple YouTube comments that I pulled here were the first one. I've cried to that soundtrack. My God, one of the best, most touching Disney games ever released. What a masterpiece is the first comment. The second one. I didn't realize when I played this as a kid that it's a masterpiece of a game. And this final comment. One of the most nostalgic OSTs of all time. It hit me right in the feels like a ton of bricks. A very intense and unique gut feeling. It's almost too much to handle. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this choice at all from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't pick Kingdom Hearts, so you have it's to true. have your Disney mm-hmm. if you're going to be living away from everything forever. You're not wrong. And I figured it would probably be between like Aladdin or the Mickey game. Mm-hmm. There was one where you had like a bunch of chicks behind you. Um, I've... I forget the name of that one. A Disney game? No, it's not a Disney game, but it's another platformer. Mm. Um, it know. was Flicky. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's it's an obscure platformer, but interesting. Yeah, not surprised at all that you're going Disney route. Yeah, good stuff. Well, what is your second selection, Ryan? My second one is Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh shit, dude, that game is like brutally challenging. Is it really? Oh Hard- my gosh. Fuck, I should have gone with Castlevania as my, like, RPG or Castlevania one. Is it really that hard? Yeah, Ghouls and Ghosts. So, the remake or whatever the most recent Ghouls and Ghosts was on current generation consoles, 
Pete, pl- now granted, Pete played on the most challenging difficulty, but Mr. Pete Dore himself on Twitch took him 10 hours to beat the first level. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I've screwed myself. I guess I'm playing four games <laughs> in this island. <laughs> 10 hours? Holy shit. Yeah. Hey, at least it has longevity to it. And yeah. like, you're going to be playing that game for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'm just like slowly looking at my knife, just like. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess this one's a Capcom game came out really around the launch of uh, the system itself. It was uh, 88, 89, and it received great praise. Similar to the Rocket Knight, it was mid to low 90s mm, across okay. the board. So basically, you're King Arthur, and you have to basically rescue a princess. Princess Prin Prin. Mm. So, apparently this is a well-known game. I had never heard of it, but fuck if I <laughs> pick two challenging platformers. But, dude, that's the whole point, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. Want some challenge in your life, especially if you're um, going to be on an island forever? Yeah, so this is, I think in my, let me scroll down to my Castlevania-esque list. So, I chose... Rocket Knight and Ghost and Ghouls for my action platformer Castlevania games. On the list, I also had Alex Kidd and the Enchanted Castle. Okay. I don't know if you've heard that. I have. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then Castlevania Bloodlines mm. was my other one. But Those this seemed... Pati- okay, yeah. This one seemed more up my alley. Okay. Very nice. So, yeah. Good stuff. What was your third? My third was Fantasy Star 4, The End of the Millennium. This came out in 1993. I have zero history playing the other Fantasy Star games, but this seems to be the one that's most polished. It's the fourth and final game in that original Fantasy Star series, concluding the story. I know you're very familiar with it, Ryan. Algol, Star System. Oh, dude, he's my favorite. Yep. I've met him twice. <laughs> <laughs> And so this entry in the series kept many of the gameplay elements of the previous games, including turn-based battles, overhead exploration, and magic spells. And so if you're not familiar with the Fantasy Star series, I'd probably compare it most to the early Dragon Quest games. So you have your party system, you have your overworld to explore, you can interact with NPCs, go into towns, and it has random encounters, like you'd expect in your old school RPGs, uh, turn-based comment turn-based combat but from a first-person perspective so i guess not too unlike pokemon but more so i would liken it to those earlier dragon quest games where you randomly run into an enemy and then it goes into the first person and you don't see your character in any way but you see like the goblins and the other enemies on the other side and then of course then you're just using attacks and your your magic spells and all of that good stuff but i feel like if you're going to be on an island you need a good meaty 15 to 20 hour rpg yeah, and actually Fantasy Star 4 was on my list as well. Oh, nice. As, or my list of RPGs I was picking from, I ended up going with a different one, mm. more Zelda style. But Oh, Landstalker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have similar thought processes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Fantasy Star looked amazing. Um, in the RPGs, I was looking at Crusader Sentry. Oh, yeah, Con- Crusader Sentry. Century. Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but looked like a really fun game. A lot of replayability um yeah definitely original kind of final fantasy dragon quest nice so a couple youtube comments here okay fantasy star 4 was one of the best 16-bit rpgs ever produced 
easily rivaling the top efforts of Square Enix at the time, or Square and Enix, because they were two companies. The beautiful presentation, the epic scale of the sci-fi story, and the refined battle system really make the concluding chapter of the Fantasy Star Saga a memorable, special one. Wait, wait. Square Enix was never... It was two companies? Yeah. Fucking mind blown. <laughs> I thought we saw it as one thing. No, they were two different companies. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Final Fantasy X, when that first released, they were Square. And then I think Kingdom Hearts was one of the first Square Enix titles to be released. What did Enix do? Uh, I think they did Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo. Oh. Among other titles. Shit. I've really been out of the JRPG game. <laughs> I did not know this, like... One of the most famous JRPGs. You got a lot of catching up to do, my friend. I do. It's all good. Uh, All right. So this last little YouTube comment I have, easily in my top five games of all time. Wow. This was my first RPG at probably 11 or 12 when I stumbled onto it by chance. The music and sounds take me back to the mid-90s like nothing else. People go on and on about how great the Final Fantasy games are uh, of this era, but not, but blah, 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 excuse me. But never mention this gem or have even tried it. Very nice. So, Fantasy Star 4, the end of the millennium. Yeah. No, this looks like a lot of fun. You'll get many hours on uh, on the beach with this one. Heck yeah. So, tell me about Landstalker. <laughs> yes. So, I did pick Landstalker. This is a Climax Entertainment game. Um, 92, 93 at two releases. Or depending on the region, uh, average or aggregate score was seventy-seven, um, but it also received like import review gave it a ten out of ten. Wow! Um, and I saw some nine out of tens. It's but seventy-seven seemed to be the the mean. Um, so this is very much. It looked like from what I was seeing a Legend of Zelda ripoff. Yeah, this is kind of Sega Genesis's answer to Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, if you will. So similar, you play as a guy named Nigel, who is a treasure hunter, and you're looking for King Knoll's treasure. Mm. And you're similar to Zelda or the original kind of Zelda games. You're going through different dungeons, picking up weapons and uh, improving. But it looked like a ton of fun. I never played the original Zelda games, um, so I kind of wanted that experience. Uh, You can also get more hearts and kind of level up your character. Um, so it was a hard choice. Originally, I had Fantasy Star, uh, but I ended up going with the Zelda game. Cool. That's a good choice. It was on my list of potential choices as well. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Link to the Past, and, and this looked at kind of the spitting image of that. Yeah, you're just it's a like taller sprite. It's mm-hmm. not as condensed as like the Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. But, good choice. Yeah, thank you. Well, my fourth one is a game called Shining Force 2. This came out in 1993. And out of the group of games that I selected, I think this probably takes the cake for best soundtrack. Okay. I listened to a lot of it over the past couple of days. It seems like in certain areas and dungeons, it grows super repetitive at times from the footage I watched. But that also kind of instills some of the best memories when you have a a song on loop over and over and over again, Traverse Town, things like that, it just kind of gets embedded into your brain. Yeah, I mean, as you're soaking up the sun in like 90 degree heat, slowly going insane, you'll just be humming this same song until you die. Well, remember that shack on Destiny Island in Kingdom Hearts? Well, we have one of those. We have air conditioning. We have all the fixes. Okay, we have generators to play these games. Exactly. (laughs) People like giving us food. Exactly, all that good stuff. Cool. So similar to Fantasy Star, this is an RPG where you have the freedom to explore the world, go deeper into the game. Uh, 
potentially make the same mistakes you could do in Breath of the Wild where you go somewhere in the game world where you're not ready or leveled up enough to be there yeah. type of thing. That's cool. um, I saw a lot of that. But where it differs from Fantasy Star is in its combat. So it's kind of a tactical RPG. So think Fire Emblem with its more yeah. grid-based approach to combat. But the animations when you lock into your target. So I'm not sure if you've played Advance Wars before. Dude, fucking the best. Okay. Like, I was looking at trying to get one of the Advance Wars that I previously paid, and it was like 250 bucks. Oh. So I didn't buy it. But like, oh god, dude, Advance Wars fucking love it okay so if you want to make me happy just talk about it (laughs) so this is similar to that in the respect that when you lock into your target you say i'm gonna attack this person you walk up to them and then it kind of goes to the ground floor floor, zooms in and then the animation plays out of you like shooting an arrow it's nothing special but for the time it was pretty impressive Mm -hmm. so it's just a really good looking game another one that i think this is like a 30 plus hour adventure so uh, and especially with those fire emblem type games there it's like chess right there's a lot more strategy to it mm-hmm. than something like fantasy star where you walk into a battle as long as you're leveled up enough use your magic spells use your swords and you're good to go yeah right this you really kind of have to assess the field the dungeon that you're in and they're also to your points about replayability and going through the game in a different way you can always approach grid-based combat in a unique way yeah right balls 30 hours that's a really long like i was looking through the play times for mine and they're like two hours was the max and i couldn't i didn't see this one when i was going through games but yeah that's a good really good choice yeah uh so a couple youtube comments here person says i love this game such a cool rpg even if sometimes it didn't tell you anything about how to progress another person says this is a game at seven years old that got me hooked into rpgs Final Fantasy 7 through 12, Elder Scrolls, and so many more. Thank you for uploading this video. I played this for hours and hours. Shining Force 2 was my favorite game on the Sega Genesis. Very cool. So, yeah, good stuff there. Yeah, but, very good choice. So, yeah, Shining Force 2, Ryan, but what is your fourth pick? Or are you at your fifth now? Fourth. Okay. Um, so, this is Twinkle Tail. Twinkle Tail? Twinkle Tail. Never heard of this. No. Any idea what it could be about? I feel like this is the off-brand Rystar or something. Never heard of that one, but it could be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so going through the genres, I wanted to pick one of those shooter games okay. with uh, like planes and things, but none of them really looked intriguing um, that I could keep, like really entertain for hours and hours of replayability. So Twinkle Tail, um, this was released July 24th, 1992, so close to my birthday. When I became alive playing this one, uh, mid eighties. So not as good as the other ones that I've previously picked, but still pretty good. Um, so basically you're in a fantasy world and instead of a plane going either horizontally or vertically through these worlds, um, this is kind of a top down more or less. Um, you're a wizard, uh, this wizard called Alfirion or Alfirion's the world. You control a magician called uh, Seria on a journey to, you know, fantasy shit, just collect <laughs> stones, kill things. I think it was like, you're trying to kill the dark wizard who's summoning the demon of darkness. Who's going to create chaos. Love that. You know, fantasy shit. So this one picture, like a Galaga game, except your wizard shooting magic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different spells. 
I'm going through the world killing bosses. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know how much replayability there is, but out of that genre, which I wanted to pick from, it seemed like the most entertaining one. Nice. Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. The only reason why I was I wasn't laughing at you. I, I almost I was like, what am I doing wrong that I'm like <laughs> I almost broke, but these cicadas are just driving me up a fucking wall. Like I I'm sure the listeners I know I tend to overreact when it comes to audio issues, but this is just driving me nuts. So I'm gonna do my absolute best to gate some of this crap off. But yeah. like I mean it, it feels like there's literally thousands of them out pressed against my window. Just like, a giant well <laughs> the thing is like we're sitting in this room. Which it feels like we're on this <laughs> Destiny island. Like it's, I feel like I'm going insane. Like I was talking about a couple games earlier. Um, but like uh, we both like have a million degrees in here. It is. Lauren has said it was disgusting <laughs> when she came in here, and like uh, we both have noise canceling headphones on, and I didn't because we listen back when we take breaks, like in the bathroom and stuff. And I didn't know if like while we were recording if the cicadas were us listening to it or if it was actually happening because i can still hear them through my canceled headphones i know like jeez we have a game each we'll (laughs) We'll survive thankfully the cicadas are gonna die in a couple weeks and we don't have to worry about this anymore but for another 17 years so episode like (laughs) seven (laughs) thousand i'm so sorry friends but listen i can only do the best i can do i'm no audio technician wizard so i'll do the best to gate it off otherwise you're gonna hear a little bit of a buzzing noise in the background yeah i mean how per how was but i mean we we totally planned for this right the destiny island challenge segment it sounds like we're literally in the middle yeah of the- this is more atri- atmospheric i don't even know if we need to apologize do you feel like you're an island like we should just like swish some water around <laughs> to make it sound like a, an ocean i could throw an ocean theme in the background okay, while we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> just the waves yeah, coming. just like sunshine like super mario sunshine in the background you know yeah oh my dear lord this is terrible this is a unique episode for us to record for sure <laughs> Oh, I'm so sweaty and gross. Let's just get to our last pick, please. Yes. You um, want to go with your last one? Yeah, so speaking of sports games sucking and no one cares about them on the second yes, Genesis. Yes, dude, I will second that. I uh, pick NHL 94. Really? Yeah, I, dude, I, I play a lot more sports games than I think I let on. Yeah, I mean, you're always on Madden when you're, like, stressed or you don't know what to do. Yeah, so I play a lot more sports games than I tend to talk about. I Week to week, I probably put in 50 to 100 hours a year playing Madden at least oh, yeah. every single year uh it's just something that I love to do same thing with FIFA I'd like to get back into MLB the show I play a lot of sports games and I was looking at the sports offerings on the Genesis and it's pretty slim pickings because obviously the graphics are super antiquated uh, gameplay wise it's pretty primitive it's Madden they couldn't do a lot back in 1994 but NHL 94 is typically deemed as one of the best sports games of the entire 90s. Wow. It's just a really fun um, sports game. If you ever played Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey on the N64, it plays similar to that. Super arcadey. You can score in 10 seconds if you're down by a point. It's just a really fun pick-up-and-play sports game. And for that, you know, between the Shining Force and the, you know, hunting boars and climbing trees for coconuts, I need something to kind of dial up back at the end of the night. Yeah. And NHL 94 is going to be that game. Okay. Yeah, that's so, some good comfort food. A couple YouTube comments here. 
Remember this game from when I was a kid. My friends would sleep over on the weekends, get a bunch of pizza, pizza, and play NHL, Madden, and a bunch of other Sega Genesis games all night. Good times back when things were simple, before I had the bunch of adult responsibilities. Being an adult is overrated. I'd second that one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The next comment this person says, I can still remember being a 12-year-old kid at Blockbuster, renting this one on Friday night. Was my first introduction to hockey since I'm from a beach town. Still my favorite sport to this day. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. Very nice. But Ryan, please, for the love of all that is good, why don't you talk through your last game? Because I'm starting to break. I know, <laughs> like, you're having a mental breakdown over there. <laughs> so this is a Capcom game. Uh, released in 1994. Oh. And do you want to take any guesses? Capcom game in 1994. It's gotta be. I. Uh, was One of their biggest franchises. One of Capcom's biggest franchises? Starts with an M, ends with an N. Or ends with an N. Mega Turrican. <laughs> Close. Maybe his brother, Mega Man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You even had fucking Mecha. <laughs> cool. Uh, this is Mega Man and the Wily Wars. Uh, I love that game. So, <laughs> Mega Turkin is always. I think it's a shooter or something, dude. Uh, I don't know. Isn't to to jerkin like a duck, like fried duck or something like that? I don't to, know. Turjukin, whatever. So this is a Mega Man game. Like before we go insane. You're you're fighting bosses. Wily comes back and does some Mega Man stuff, and uh, I don't I I played Mega Man. I don't know which one on my grandma's NES, uh-huh. um, and I sucked. I couldn't beat one boss. But I think if after years on an island, I could eventually beat a, one of the older Mega Man games. Um, so that I picked this more for a challenge. Uh, so this is my second platformer in my list of five. Good for you, man. Yeah, thanks. A solid list. I mean, I think a solid five games to kind of uh, keep us company over the course of the rest of our life, chilling on this desert island and yeah. uh, chilling with the cicadas, chilling with the bugs. Do you have uh, any honorable mentions? I have some quick ones. I'll just go down them really fast here. Okay. Uh, Disney's Aladdin. I've heard that Aladdin on the Genesis is kind of the superior game to the the Super Nintendo. Just graphically, it looks a little bit better. Um, I just love that Agrabah theme. Yeah. It's just so good. So I think, again, Aladdin being one of my favorite Disney movies would just be a fun game to be able to play on the island. Another one is Quackshot, where you play as Donald Duck. Just a fun-looking platformer that I think, once again, just give me some of those Disney feels because I'm going to need them being alone on that desert island. And then the last one is Ease 3, Wanderer from Ease. I believe this is Oath and Felgana, the first Ease game that I played on the PSP, but just the first iteration prior to it being remade uh, for consoles later down the line. Love the Ease games, love the soundtrack, love the very interesting take on combat where you literally just run into enemies to attack them. Uh, just kind of a very unique game. So um, those would be my quick three honorable mentions okay cool so for shooters i picked twinkle tail but musha was an actual game with this ship that you um bullets. you got about four thousand dollars to spare is musha expensive yeah it's crazy really oh yeah um so i don't so i guess i'm not gonna play that one on, on an island as far as other platformers i think this was my biggest list i had quack shot as well i had the mickey game that you picked mm. uh for one of your choices sonic the hedgehog um 
I picked that one and then Flicky, which was like a duck with little ducklings following them around. Like you collect them throughout the map. Oh, interesting. Um, very much like 101 Dalmatians or 102 Dalmatians on the Game Boy. Okay, very cool. Um, and then I had the Pac- Miss Pac-Man. Always fucking hated those games, but if I'm going to get a high score or have a game forever, I might as well have something that's like infinite time. Yeah. Um, Jungle Book and Aladdin, some of those. And then I don't want to play this game, but Michael Jackson Moonwalker just looks ridiculous. Yeah, it does seem really interesting. Um, from what I was seeing, the Genesis had a lot of like celebrity um, endorsements for some of their games. Mm-hmm. Like sports mainly, but Michael Jackson. Yeah. Cool. They Aladdin endorsed his game. So, <laughs> so he's a celebrity now. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good good out of mentions, good selections by us. We have uh, a few submissions from the good listeners. We have Sean, who I didn't mention this at the top of the show, but he secured Foo Fighters tickets for Lorne and I. Oh, awesome. So we're going to go see them um, in, a, in a city south of us. Okay. The first leg of their tour, uh, literally the first show of the tour. And I cannot wait for that. So thank you, Sean, and thank you for sending in your list of Sega Genesis games. He says Sonic, Sonic 2, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and Ren and Stimpy's Stimpy's Adventure. Mm. He also has three honorable mentions. He says Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Okay. Speak of the Devil. Yeah. Clax and Quackshot. Clax. Yeah. What, do you know what that one is? I think it's a puzzle game. Oh, okay. If, I, if I'm not mistaken. So, good, good list. Good selections by Sean. Then we got the good old Combat Kid writes in with a few games as well. He says Sonic 2, Streets of Rage 2, Golden Axe 2, Mortal Kombat OG version with the blood. Yes. And blood. Home Alone with Mr. McCauley Colton himself. Axe? It's a beat em up. Oh, okay. Side scrolling. Yeah. Good stuff there. And then we have. Really good. You might even consider best friend of the show, <laughs> Steve Acker, otherwise known as Blink or Blinkoom. He sends in an email with the title Top Genesis Picks. He says, Howdy, boys. Heard a little rumor that we're about to get stranded on a desert island with only a handful of Genesis games. The Genesis has long been one of my favorite consoles, so this certainly isn't easy. I think these are the ones I'd bring along. Sonic and Knuckles with Sonic 3 attached. You get a two for one by bringing both. It would be the perfect (laughs) pick to get your classic platformer fix. Plus, I played these games a ton as a kid, so it would be nice to have something that connects me to my youth. His next pick, Rystar, an underappreciated platformer from late in the Genesis life cycle. It's so colorful, whimsical, and fun, and everyone should check it out at the very least one time. Shining Force 2 makes an appearance on his list. He says you gotta have at least one RPG, and tactical RPGs have so much depth that this one is hard not to love. Amazing music, too. He says I'll leave it at three, but I would be tempted to find room for Tiny Toons, Lion King, and Aladdin as well. Can't wait to hear your picks. Keep up the excellent work, you wonderful, wonderful human beings. Oh, shucks. Blank. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Uh, Thank you so much, Blank. Thank you, Comeback Kid. Thank you, Sean, for sending in your picks for the Sega Genesis for the debut of our segment, Destiny Island Challenge. We have many more segments planned in the future because there is no shortage of consoles that we can pull from, but I am literally melting Ryan is literally like a fried piece of meat over there. 
Yeah, this I, point. so before I came over to Rusty's house, it, this is like five hours like we, since we started. So I have no fun facts because no facts are fun at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's, it's been five hours of us just fucking melting. Like I ordered Chipotle midway through for sustenance because I'm like dissolving. <laughs> and like I had a half a gallon before I came over here and like another quart while we're recording and i feel like i've slowly oozed out out of all my pores just throughout this episode <laughs> i literally have not eaten anything today and it's two o'clock in the afternoon yeah. so he passed out once when we went for a break yeah oh my gosh well thank you everyone so much for listening once again i'm going to apologize for the bug noise i'll do my both my best to edit it out and post no promises if people don't listen to the back half of the show i completely understand the cicadas will be dead in a month and we will no longer have to worry about that. <laughs> we're still going to be baking in I this room it. during the podcast recordings, though. They're just, like, picking up, as we're saying. I know. They just keep getting louder as the day goes on. But um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can do that by going over to Apple iTunes, leaving us a quick review, giving us five stars. We'd very much appreciate it. If you're not in the Discord, click that link in the show notes. Join the fun discussion. We'd love to have more people joining us there. Alright, get hyped for E3, let us know what your favorite Sega Genesis games are, stay cool, go kill the cicadas or something so they no longer make noise during our podcast recordings, and uh, Ryan doesn't have any parting words, I don't think. No. (laughs) (laughs) A very angry fucking no. (laughs) Uh, Alright everyone, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah, have a good one. Oh goodness.